Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. Today we are doing our second episode of our long-form analysis of Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, for this episode, we played from the end of the Dalit mission through the end of Disc 1, which culminates in the failed assassination attempt on the sorceress Idea. Um, as was true for the first episode, we will not be referencing or talking about events that have not happened yet in the playthrough. So, full spoilers on all of Disc 1. No spoilers on anything that happens after Disc 1. Um, I am questioning <laughs> a little bit my choice to do that, only because there were a lot of people who sent us um, rebuttals in the comments last week who were referencing endgame things to like make yes. points in addition and to we our just points. Can't talk about and them. I can't <laughs> respond to it yet. No, we can't. So um, uh, it was mostly because uh, the, the response was really good for, for the first episode. Mm. But it was mostly in response to our comments on the opening cinematic, the, the, uh, yeah. the opening. Uh, FMB scene. Which makes sense because it's really well liked like you mentioned last mm. time. Like people freaking love it even though it's really confusing and it may not be a great hook. It is It is cool. It's a really good video. Hopefully in this very <laughs> subtle way we have alluded to the fact that we're aware of the we're aware. people say. And we'll and address it pro probably in the yes. very last episode of this whole yes. thing. Because it's going to be a while before we yeah. get to those revelations. Yeah. right? But we will come back to it. And when we do, um, I'll respond to some of the things people are saying. And uh, in addition to that, I, I, I've thought about a couple of just very minor tweaks they could have made to mm -hmm. this to have made that scene a much more effective hook, in my opinion, well, to the story. And not something that feels so almost like a, like a, like a music video. Music video is a good way to demo it, trailer yeah. thing, but or, more or like a, trailer, an, yeah. a, a true introductory sequence. Yeah. Um, so we will get to that in the future. But for now, uh, let's talk about what we what we played uh, for this episode. Um, you want to hit us up with a, a bit of summary? Yeah, absolutely. So at the end of the Dalet mission, of course, Cipher during the mission, he kind of. Uh, takes things into his own hands and um, abandons his post. And, you know, he gets poor marks for that later on. Mm. But they also kind of ditch us when we get back to the port and him and Raijin and Fujin get in the car and just, like, leave. And so we have to, like, walk back <laughs> to... to <laughs> That's um, right. They just take Bellum the Garden. car yeah. and they just let you walk back. And then um, <laughs> Sy or Sy Zell. Zell is just like, oh, man, they got us again, you know? Yeah. He's so funny. But you kind of, you, you, you have a good opportunity there before you go back to Bellum Garden to kind of explore that town because I think that's where Zell is from. Yeah. And in fact, his mother is still there and you can kind of go and meet people from that town and that's that's always fun. Uh, they do some really cool tricks in that town as you're walking down one of the streets. Mm -hmm. the, the field of focus, I guess, shifts as you get closer or further away from the camera. It was actually a, a note that I had made on the last one that yeah. I didn't get to, but I noticed that too. It's so cool. It's I really would go cool. back and forth just to find the point that it shifts and <laughs> just to see it go back. The focus change yeah. between the foreground and, and background. It's really, really cool because what they were able to do in Final Fantasy VIII with the limitations of the PlayStation 1 and, mm. you know, they obviously loaded like four discs with one game. Yeah. <laughs> like they were clearly trying to push it to its limits. But changing the focus, it's such a subtle thing, but it helps make it feel 
so much more realistic. There's an attention to detail yes, very in these so. PlayStation Final Fantasy games with mm. the little things like that. Specifically 8 and 9. Yeah. yeah. That give it this really just kind of like next level polish feel yeah. to it. Right? Like the parallax as you're approaching Bone Garden, you walk up the stairs yeah. and um, you, it's almost as if the camera is like moving upwards and you're just, you're seeing more and more of it get revealed behind. And it's just two little layers that they're moving. Yeah. But it feels... Epic. It feels really big, mm. and it's stuff that you didn't really see in games as much before. Yeah, seriously. So that's super, super cool. Um, and then you go back to Bell and Garden, and you're just kind of waiting around to see if you passed or not. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, it's fun, of course. Um, Squall, there's, there's a, there's a couple of things. Made it there's a couple of things I, I want to see if you uh, talk to some of the NPCs and notice this. Because um, <clears throat> here's here's one thing that's going to be kind of a theme for my talking points. On, on Final Fantasy VIII in general, mm. and a similarity that we see to the way that they handle world building in Final Fantasy XIII. Oh, um, hmm. Most of the world building in Final Fantasy XIII does not happen through dialogue or through the plot. Okay. It happens in data logs in the menu. Oh, well, I did notice. <laughs> one thing I freaking loved about this part of disc one, the second half that we yeah. just played through, the magazines. You're finding magazines yeah. all over the world, and, mm-hmm. and you can choose to read them or not, but as you go through, you learn a little bit more about the world um, as you go. I kind it's, of it's like, fascinating. I kind of like that, I like uh, that generally, as like a, a way of um, supplementing the world building so that you don't yeah. have to pack your scenes with a ton of exposition. It's because yeah. it's like in the world, in real life, I mean, like you're going to read stuff in newspapers or read stuff that will like yeah. detail events happening outside of what's happening directly to the characters in that moment. Well, and that, that what they usually yeah. do is it's a character. You go to the town, you talk to a character, and he goes, the princess is in the castle. And it's like, you, and they still do that in Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. But they did put some of that, they offloaded it, I guess, onto... Just a magazine, which is basically an NPC. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a programmed piece of paper. And you can just read it instead of a person telling you, which always feels weird. Yeah. You you simply read it and it informs you to whatever degree. Right. Um, I prefer I, that, uh, But uh, what, what I was going with this is mm-hmm. um, there are so many places where it's, not, it's, it's foreshadowing for like major plot things that mm-hmm. is not happening through the main... Plot. It's happening through characters off to the side, through the desk in the classroom, through things in the menu even, in the menu tutorial that I talked about last time with all that information is Mm -hmm. in there. This is the first time I've ever accessed it in my four (laughs) playthroughs. This is my fourth or fifth playthrough of the game. Uh It's the first time I've ever looked in there. And it's it's, um, incredible how much is in there, right? So... um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say this as like a laying it out because th- this was something that bothered a lot of people about Final Fantasy XIII. I don't want to say this per- in particular to like you know throw shade at Final Fantasy VIII, but just to say how important it is to pay attention to the little things that people yes. say. Talk to all the NPCs uh-huh. and um, look around a lot because a lot of the story is actually found there. But when you first get back to the to the garden, uh, you have Sid. And uh, Zoo and Kistis, or Quistis, yeah. standing there uh, waiting for you to get back. And mm-hmm. there's two um, NPCs to the right before you go to them. So if you hook around, they basically talk about the radio interference, right? The worldwide oh, radio yes. interference. Yeah. Um, and, and continue to kind of say, oh, it was 17 years 17 that we've years. had these, this radio interference, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like kind of a little bit of a hint. But then you go into the, the menu after you talk to them and you go into like the tutorial terms and you look at the worldwide radio interference and it talks about Esthar, right? That the, this, there's this country, Esthar, yeah. where it, this, the, the, the time, essentially the timeline falls in line with Esthar as this like world superpower closing its borders and basically going silent. Mm-hmm. Ever since that has happened and nobody has any way of communicating with Esthar, no one has any idea what's going on in Esthar, no one can travel to Esthar, as soon as that happened 17 years ago, this worldwide radio interference right. has been a problem. And it, people essentially communicate only through wires uh, underground. Yeah, and, cable. And like, cable, yeah, essentially. Yeah. And, but the problem is, is that sometimes those cables get damaged by monsters in the sure. wild or whatever. And so sometimes they just have no way of communicating with other countries. Hmm. And so it's created this problem where they can't use wireless communication. Um, a lot of them don't have wired communication, and so the world is essentially really disconnected and unable to to really communicate effectively. So, uh, if you don't talk to those NPCs, you don't read that stuff in the menus. Um, this mission, mm-hmm. this Dalit mission, that resulted in this essentially radio tower being reconstructed, um, yeah. it can kind of fall to the wayside a little bit. But this is actually a really important. Uh, a really, really important thing. And one mm-hmm. thing that they say in the, again, in the tutorial menu terms that where they define it, is that yeah. this has, it, 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 I think they said something like, um, uh, did I write it down? Yeah. It's believed to have some relation to the moon, is what right. it says in the menu tutorial term. So, I just want to put this out there if this is your first time playing the game or something like that. I know that in my first playthrough, maybe even second playthrough, I didn't pay attention to this particular plot right. that much. Yeah. Um, and, and how it relates to other things that are going to come later. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's important to keep in mind as a mystery, like a, a major kind of mystery in the game, this idea of radio, worldwide radio interference, and that people are not communicating. Uh, and it, it all has to do with something that happened in Esthar 17 years ago. So I, I wish that they had set that mystery up a little, a little bit, bit more clearly without making you dig around. You know, yeah, that, that is definitely mm. something that I missed. <laughs> <laughs> and especially I missed it my first playthrough, but even, yeah. even now. Um, and it's funny because sometimes I might even have actually, you know, talked to these people, but... You know, you just don't realize. I don't expect to get large game hints through small conversations. Yeah, and it seems to be or something that it, it happens a lot in Katase Final Fantasy <clears> games. <throat> um, Final Fantasy X is a little bit that way, but way more so Final Fantasy XIII, hmm. where so much of your understanding of the world or what the Falci uh, want comes hmm. from reading data logs and not from. Hmm. The, the game, the story. Of the, mm-hmm. it, not a lot of that is revealed in the story itself. And uh, I, anyways, it's just a, a similarity in like world building tactics, I guess, or technique that, sure. I, that I saw between FF8 and some of the later uh, Final Fantasy games helmed by Katase's team. But. I wonder if at some point, as they outlined Final Fantasy VIII, that they determined that the story, because it does kind of get this way, that it was a little bit too much too yeah. complicated 
um, and you can still let the people discover it as they will um, here and there, but maybe not try to connect everything to our There is something to be said about pace, right? Like you can bog down the pacing of your storytelling if you're, mm. if you're doing too much like exposition laden sure. like dialogue yeah. where you're just like setting up the world, right? That can get boring too. Obviously you need to balance that. I just, I would prefer a balance a, a little bit more of like putting some emphasis on some things like because that would make it cooler. Yeah, yeah. We need. I think that is this is really important. No, when you first find out about things like Esthar or whatever's going on with the moon, yeah, um, it does kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah, it feels that way. <laughs> Having played the game the it first time, it feels yeah. like it's coming out of nowhere. Yeah, but like, it what the heck is isn't that? if you've talked to yeah. the right people. And that's kind of my point: is cool. that instead of making it this optional thing, like. Make it a make it a point of reference. It doesn't have to be a super long thing, but just drop the breadcrumbs in the plot, not around it. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. You know, be right? even worse is if you you had to like play cards with people in order for them to tell you info. To like if they put it behind like an even bigger wall <laughs> than it already is behind. You know. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> we come back to Balam Garden, and um, Cipher is. Uh, Reprimanded for mm. his actions, uh, but even Sid kind of kind of walks up and gives him a little bit of encouragement. They actually hint about this a little later on when Renoa criticizes Squall's like leadership abilities. Yeah. Um, she's like, "You don't give anyone hope ever. You're just always a downer about everything, and you're always like, this is real, this is not real, and you don't like helping people in their problems, right?" Well, Sid steps up to Cipher and says, "Hey." You really shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, we're not raising robots here. We do yeah. want you guys <clears throat> to take some kind of initiative. You see the, the contrast in Sid's leadership yes. approach. Which is way better because Cypher, like, if you just do what Squall does, Cypher is just going to rebel, rebel, push back, push back, and yeah. you're not going to win. You're not going to win. But with Sid doing it both ways, like he didn't give him the seed status, right? He mm -hmm. was like, you're not a seed because you screwed up too big. But... I like you. Yeah. You're good and we need people like you. Yeah. You know, and that that can help well, we'll talk about what well, Cypher does the, later. On the back of what Zoo says to him, she's yeah. really harsh. Like, yes. Yeah. She's basically like, You're never gonna be a seed. You're she a says freaking, that freaking joke. You're never gonna like, be a seed. Yeah. Like, screw you. And she yep. just walks away. And he he bows his head to that, right? And he yeah. gets real he gets real down on himself. And, and Sid like, trying hey, to like hey. bolster yeah. a little bit. Shows yeah, good leadership. I think it shows good leadership. And then, <laughs> this is important, especially for later on, but the Gardens Keeper, one of the, I the assumed they garden were... Garden faculty yes, members. Yes, yeah. if this is your first time playing through, you may just assume these are just janitors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just walking around, like, keeping the place clean, keeping it in order. They manage the building. They manage the food and all that. Um, they have a, a um, more of a role than that. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but they're kind of hinting at their deeper role with this garden as they keep, and several times it happens here, these garden keepers will walk up. Is that what they're called, keepers? Yeah, well, yeah. I just call them garden faculty. Garden faculty. And they will uh, tell Sid, oh, hold on, Sid, hold on. Don't, don't you have a meeting? Don't you have somewhere to be yeah, right now? they keep okay, undermining. You get out of here. Uh, anyways, I'm pretty sure what he means is yeah. don't do that, Cypher. You, you screwed up. 
yeah. you know? Because anytime Sid starts, you know, to do things in his own way, the garden faculty step in, and it's almost as if there's a little bit of a power situation here that we're not understanding. Yeah. And that one you don't necessarily have to go out of out of your way for. Mm-hmm. That one, it does seem pretty well yeah, laid out in right front of there, you, you know, even though it's easy to not think anything of it. Yeah. But, you know, that is good hinting for what happens later. So, yeah, um, so that, that yeah. would, uh, essentially we're gonna get to revealing five major mysteries that the story sets up by the end of disc one, right? Mm. Uh, and this is the second that I wrote down, is this apparent sort of like tension between yeah. Sid and the garden faculty, mm. and they are acting, it seems, almost in opposition to each other a behind the backs a little bit. Yes, right? except somehow Sid does not appear to have the upper hand here. Yeah. Whenever there's a headbutting, Sid is the one to back down. Yeah. That's, but at the same time, and we'll get to this in a minute, but at the same time, he's like assigning contracts that yes. apparently the garden faculty doesn't really that they don't want that they don't want or that they think are bad ideas. Or they or, don't make enough money or yeah. yeah or, or even to the extent because uh, anyways, we'll get to it in a minute. But Kay. go ahead. So Squall and Zell and uh, two others. Um, there's a guy. There's Selfie and then just Selfie another guy. Selfie and then just some guy. Just some guy. Uh, they become the new seeds and it's a you know, fun little thing. Selfie's hilarious because it's like they're explaining to her her role and like you are now the elite special forces secret like top level and she's like yippee. <laughs> <laughs> Doing her cute poses, pu- uh, pulling up her boot while she like does a peace sign or whatever. Selfie and it's like, is, you know what? She's a special forces she's elite a agent. Really, she's the one character in the game. I, I like the characters in this game. I, I actually do, and I even like her. It's yeah. just in the situation she's in, it doesn't make sense. Very it, it, but that's face. one thing about her. I, I feel like maybe she would have been better served as a, a member of the party that joins as, as not being a seed. Like Renoa. Right? Or something like that. Yeah, right? where it's like she can fight, she's good, but she just, she's not. She doesn't seem to have, I don't know, she just doesn't seem to have well, okay. any military discipline. Do you remember <laughs> her introduction as a character? She in, just like falls in, over, yes, you know, she, trips over the cliff. She's so clumsy and she falls <clears throat> and then she just laughs about it and... <laughs> She's real ditzy. She's she, very she, ditzy. She's not balanced. She's not coordinated. She's, it's, it's, it's just, she's a strange character considering she's supposed to be this elite. Exactly. Like, special forces agent. But like you said, I do like her character. <laughs> but I, I like, like her. I like her and I like her dynamic with the party. And yeah. I'm going to get to that in a bit later, especially, okay, particularly with Squall. Mm. But it does seem strange to me that they've tried to sell her as a special a special forces okay, you know, military person. Uh, I'm not convinced. No, that I am not convinced I'm not either. convinced of that. Now, we brought this up early on, uh, the last podcast, too, because I have similar feelings about yeah. Quistus, Kistus. How, yeah. we should go, Quist, it's like, Quistus. We're okay. going to say Quistus. Okay, okay. so Just one caveat, <laughs> real quick. I talked about this in the last episode as an addendum, so we didn't do it while we were recording. I did it separately and put it in about the pronunciation. I I was trying to just generate discussion. It was not like, I was not trying to be serious about this, Uh but I ended up, it it was kind of dumb. I should have done it this way. But in, when I was, when I was um, editing the podcast, I was doing it live with our patrons and they were looking up on Google Translate and so like anyways we went back and forth and okay. what it appears to be I'll just really quickly summarize this mm-hmm. what it appears to be is that Quistus is obviously not 
like a Japanese name, <laughs> right? right? That the, it, it's it's an it's an it's a foreign sounding name that they try to pronounce in Japanese. Kisitisu. Kisitisu. Right? Uh, okay. So, well, my uh, okay. my um, it was like okay, is it Kistis then? Is yeah. it? But I actually think it is Quistis. It is Quistis, despite. But they just can't say Quistis in Japanese. Kui kui Yeah, it's it's they don't do that. I so mean, I, I think it's I code, think it's Quistis. Okay. Because it doesn't right. make any sense otherwise. We'll why would it be spelled Q U? Yeah, and not just Q- K. Because oh, if it was coming right, from right. Japanese Kistisu, and they yeah. were just going to put they're just transliterating that into English, it would just be. K-I-S-T-I-S. You would think. Sometimes right? they do weird things. <laughs> but it's it's Q-U, so it, it makes me believe that that name came okay. from some other place. Okay. And they're just trying to say it in Japanese as Kisitisu. But I mean, that works. That works. I, so I think it's Quistus. Quistus. My criticism of Quistus early on is that she's like the teacher, and she's like just totally hitting on Squall. And she's the teacher, and she's like this military, like, you know, high up person. And it's just, I just wasn't convinced of that either. Um, Squall and Cypher shouldn't be either, <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, they, anyways, basically no one here belongs, so I guess it's not that weird that Selfie is in with them, but they're all like 17-year-old so people. this is a possible thing that we'll get into deeper on another episode. Okay. <clears throat> but tying back to the Liberty Fatale the song, which which means children of fate in Latin. Oh right, right, yeah. Right, the idea of children rising up, fighting, like being in these positions sure. that children yeah. probably shouldn't be in, <laughs> yeah. could potentially yeah. be like a major theme, like sure. child soldiers, uh, and and the whether or not you have the emotional maturity to actually handle these like right. incredibly. To handle what is difficult yeah. events and and the pressure that that goes into like executing these missions um, could but, possibly be something that was maybe like an intentional theme yeah. of the game and so like yes it doesn't make any sense why these teenagers are being elevated into these positions and mm-hmm. not say an an older seed member like maybe right. someone in the late twenties somebody maybe Laguna's More experience. age experience yes well we'll get into yeah. Laguna a little bit later yeah but anyways I'm just I'm throwing this as like a, a thing to think about for the audience and that maybe we'll get into later well because this will, children of fate idea right? this will be a con- consistent criticism <laughs> and <laughs> and I know they did it on purpose so it, we should be ruling on the merits as opposed to just sure. the what we think it should oh sixteen year olds shouldn't be in the military okay well. They are in this world, and that's that's that. <laughs> it is you know? what it and, is. and it's fine because you know I do like the characters, and you know it's an interesting world. It's and they're tr- they are they do seem to be trying to relate to a somewhat younger audience. So yeah, fair enough. They this is this was their artistic decision, and this is how they're doing it. So we just got to live with it. But you know, I'm also not, I'm not convinced. Yeah, this is a, another thing. I I'll get into this more when we talk about the response to the comments later. But how seriously mm-hmm. should we? be scrutinizing or how seriously should we be taking Final Fantasy stories which are in general a little yeah. more out there I mean yes. there, there's obviously a, um, some kind of spectrum where it's like The Last of Us asks me to take it very very very, serious. very seriously yes. and it uh, well if I'm, I'm talking about part one I've not played part two so <laughs> I let's, not, let's not I'm assuming part two does as well but 
Well, it does, but what I'm saying is that the first game merits me yeah. taking it that seriously. It earns it, and it has, and because it, it has to live up to t intense scrutiny. Yeah. If it's asking me mm -hmm. to believe in it that much and mm -hmm. to really take it seriously, I don't think Final Fantasy is asking me to take it as seriously as that. Sure. But it's certainly not uh, in the realm of Pokemon? say Pokemon <laughs> yeah. or like Mario or something. Mario, yeah. Where it's like. You're not supposed to think yeah, don't about this. Just yeah, play just the game it. and have fun. Yeah. It's it's somewhere in between those two things. Yeah. And so it merits some scrutiny. Right. But how much of it, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, okay, so, so the, gra the, the graduation, yeah. and they, they make it in, and there's immediately after that, there is a ceremony. So... Oh, before that, though, oh, I did want to mention uh, Cypher. So when you come ah, back... Yes. And Cypher he slow claps uh, applause. Yep, yep. I loved this moment. I thought that was interesting. Um, and everyone kind of joins in. It 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 clearly sets up Cypher as basically not being the bully archetype. Yeah. That that type of At character least that's would not normally all fit. He is. He's not yeah. just Draco Malfoy <laughs> yes. books one through five of yeah, until Harry Potter, right? Right. They give a little more dimension to Malfoy in six. Right. Um, but th one through five, y you know every encounter with Malfoy He's just and how it's going to go. go. Yeah, yeah. And he always acts the same. Uh -huh. And there's really no dimension to the character. Cypher, on this playthrough especially, and, and we'll get into more of this a little bit later, I think he actually, for a character that doesn't get a lot of screen time and that mm. doesn't actually do that much, actually true. all said by the end of the story, he doesn't really do much. Right. He's actually a really good character. I think mm. they handle him really well. And there's more to him than just being a bully or a rival to Squall. Right. He's In actually fact, a pretty good guy. He's extremely loyal. Yeah. And and so are so are his friends, Fujin and Raijin. Yeah. Like to a fault. They're they're yeah. insanely loyal. Yeah. And and that is not a bad quality. And and but, I just yeah, love the enough. subtlety yeah. of that moment too. Like um, one thing that, that for me, in my taste in, in, in storytelling, that I find really important is being able to uh, not be on the nose, to be able to, to subtly like, you know, communicate things yeah. to your audience in a way that um, Without is, words. is more poetic, yeah. is, is more uh, interesting than yeah. just like telling them on the nose. And this moment, I felt, was really strong for that reason. Like, Cypher didn't say anything. Uh, you know, he, he, yeah. it was a very short little moment. It's just they clap and then it, the, the screen kind of goes black and you just kind of skip ahead yeah. to that night. And that's all that, that needed you know to happen. What? Later on in the story, you learn a little bit more uh, from Renoa talking about Cypher. Yeah. And they're like, everyone's like, oh man, we, we didn't really like Cypher. And she's, she kind of stands up and she's like, I, I really liked him. Yeah. And it's funny because even with like Draco Malfoy, that would be like someone like Hermione Granger being like, you know, I really, I really, I really actually really like Draco Malfoy. Yeah. That never happens, right? In mm -hmm. in that story, it doesn't happen. But in this story, you you just from her because what the little we know about her when she decides, hey, I'm going to stand up for him. I really like him. I actually got him to know him really well last year. Yeah. Um, is is like you don't even have to know anything else other than this character who you think is a good person thinks that he's a good person. Yep. And you don't need to know any more than that to make your mind start going. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Because what if Cipher did talk at, in that moment? What mm. would he have said? He probably would have said, he probably would have said like, "Oh, you don't deserve it" or whatever. Yeah. But it's almost like brotherly teasing. Yeah. Like because you can read it as bullying. Yeah. But 
at the same time, those same words, you, you don't know what he's thinking necessarily, and he's clearly yeah. a very emotional person. No, it's purely emotional. <laughs> Pure emotion. <laughs> and so even if he does say something like, yeah, I could have done it if I wanted to, you know, yeah. it, it's still some weird screwed up form of, of uh, an expression of love in some weird kind of way. Mm-hmm. Or it could, it could be seen as that. But if they put those, that text there, you wouldn't have read it that way. Yeah. You would have still thought he was a jerk bully. So they just didn't do anything there. Yeah. I, I, I agree. That's I love really that. Cool I just moment. love that moment. It might have been really cool moment. It's it's, I mean, it's among my top two or three favorite moments of the whole game of di- this first of the disc, whole disc. Okay, cool. Of this first disc of Final Fantasy VIII. I just, yeah. especially on this playthrough, it just really stuck out to me as like that. That was a really nice storytelling moment. Yeah. Like they they said a lot with no words. You know, and that that's moment. I think that is the last time we see him. Until, Until the radio, the end, yeah, the television, oh, the, the TV station, yeah, later on, yeah. So that's an mm. interesting note to leave him on. So that also was very, very yeah. well done. Liked it. So they go to the ball. They go to this big dance, um, and Renoa's there, and it's for the new seeds. And she mentioned something about how he's supposed to give a speech. We didn't, we didn't hear him give a speech, but he goes and dances. At yeah, they first, kind of skipped past that. Didn't at they, first, speech. he's like, "I don't dance. That's yeah. not a thing that I do. Right? Don't make me do it." And he's kind of being a little rude to Renoa as mm-hmm. he commonly. That's well, and, 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 to, um, and to Selfie and Zell before that, because Zell comes up and is like, "Hey, man, put yeah, it there," and, and he, he won't shake his he hand shake his and hand. he turns away. Actually, that he, seemed a little. Every, over every the top time of someone tries to shake Squall's hand, yes, Zone tries to later. Zone. Yeah, like any time I think somebody else tries to shake his he hand, won't shake he will hand. not shake what, hands. What do with you people. make of that? Because I, I noticed it, but I didn't really think anything. I of mean. It. I'm going to talk Other about. I'm going to talk him. more about Squall specifically as we get to uh, his moment Timber. with Quistus here in a minute. Oh, okay, good. So we'll get back to now. this. But yes, I just wanted to point out he's. I mean, just like insanely closed off to people. He like will not a, connect yeah. with anyone. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's su- super rude to uh, Renoa. She especially just, to Renoa. She just doesn't. She is so open for him, and he just is like not having it. And so um, she eventually forces him onto the dance floor, and he screws up over and over and over. It doesn't work. He's not a good dancer. And then something clicks, and it just works. Mm. And he's able to actually do to complete the whole dance. And I remember initially thinking, that's kind of weird. Like, all of a sudden, he's a good dancer now. Like, yeah. what happened? But they actually do talk about they this later. They do explain it. Yeah. In Timber, um, she goes, hey, so it turns out seeds can dance. And he goes, yeah, you know, you never know when you're doing a secret mission if you're going to need to be able to woo a woman or do... You, you, know, need, you need these skills You need to be able to yeah, approach yeah. someone in a dance. Yeah, for subterfuge. And she's like, oh, so it's just part of your job. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no. totally. <laughs> and so that's fascinating, though, because at first he, he just doesn't want to dance. He just didn't it's want to. It's not that he can't. It's not that he couldn't. He, he just really, did not want he to. He really didn't want to. And so Renoa's the character that kind of pushes him out of his comfort zone over yeah. and over and over. Aerith was kind of that for Cloud mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Renoa is that for Squall. So um, There was actually a pretty nice... Um, Leitmotif in that ball in the song in the music, music? Of, of Eyes on Me. This is the first oh, time really? I'd ever noticed it. I'd, I, I'd never really paid attention to that music because it kind of just sounds like uh, ballroom music. Yeah, yeah. But there is a little, there is a little Eyes on Me huh. leitmotif in nice. there, which is kind of like the first meeting of those characters, and that's yeah. kind of their theme for the game.
So that's the first time you hear that particular oh. theme of romance between those two characters is in, is in the ballroom music itself. Well, that's fascinating because <clears throat> what 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 it turns into, you'd think, okay, this is going to be this this romantic moment and and yeah. night for him and Renoa because she clearly she walks up to him, she's like, you're the best looking guy here, you know. And By like, the she's way, she's clearly you know trying to. That is a meme, right? Have you seen that? You're the best looking guy here, and, and like you see how fetched up in the original PlayStation oh, version. Oh, he's all blocky is. pixel. <laughs> you're the. I'm gonna show you best looking guy oh, here. That is funny. And if you zoom in on his face, <laughs> it's yes. It's so bad, dude. Um, oh my gosh! But when like, you're into the game, you don't even think about. Stuff you're the like best that. looking guy here. <laughs> he's so jacked. <laughs> That's like the PS1 Hagrid. Exactly, the PS1 Hagrid <laughs> meme. But um, oh my gosh. But yeah, so I'm playing the remastered version oh, of okay. it right now, and they've they've cleaned his face up, and so, so he really he is looks way better. Here, here's <laughs> a good example. So like that's what he looks like now, right? Okay. Versus yeah, yeah. the original. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. So they fixed it. They fixed it in the remastered version. If you're playing. Well, good to know. I am not. Actually. He does. I he no longer looks again. like a freaking deformed mutant. When she says you're the best looking you're guy here. That's so funny. And her legs are like two pixels thick. By the way. She is so freaking skinny. You know, that's true of Zell too. Zell, Zell was the, the, wears the huge baggy yeah, pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his, his legs, but his are, legs like, are super skinny. Like real skinny. <laughs> so um, Renoa though, she gets distracted by something else. And mm. she leaves. And I believe, I don't know if they say this specifically, but I believe she goes to talk to Cypher. They do say oh, this Oh, she goes to talk to Sid. She goes okay. to, that's where they form their contract. Well, that makes sense then. Mm-hmm. So she goes and talks to Sid. Um, about the timber thing, I guess. Yeah. So, but, uh, so then Squall's kind of just alone, and you're like, oh, okay, that was kind of anticlimactic, right? Yeah. You thought that it was gonna culminate, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then, you know, Quistus shows up, and so you go out, and you talk to her a little bit, and she's like, hey, balcony. I'm getting fired, basically. So she's getting fired. As so, so before that, um, because they're on the balcony there. Oh, you're right. Sorry, it's been. Really and and that's she right. and she, uh, she says, is Meet basically me like. I, 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 this was something I grounds. found very convincing yeah. for a 17, 18 year old girl who okay. clearly has some level of a like crush interest? Yes. or interest yes. on Squall, yeah. um, but is his teacher, and it's not. Maybe it's kind of <laughs> weird, right? Yeah. But she comes up to him and she says. So you'll dance with a total stranger, but you but you, you don't but you, cl- you, don't, you don't even want to spend any time. You can't stand to be around me, right? And he's and he says whatever, right? <laughs> As <laughs> he that. often does, right? That's his thing. So I wonder what that is in Japanese. Okay, so we should talk about this now. What the whatever, yeah. and and moving into the fact that she recruits him on a last order as his yes, teacher to, to go, go to into the training center so that she can vent about being fired for her job. Which, but know, once again... So yeah. there's a lot to unpack in this about Squall. Squall is a bit of a divisive character. Mm. There are some people who really hate him. Right. And I totally understand why based on how he responds to Quistus during yes. this, this scene. Sure. Based on yes. how he treats everybody. And Renoa and everybody, yeah. Um, at the same time, mm-hmm. there are other people who really, really um, relate to Squall. Mm. Um, I won't say that I necessarily like fully relate to him, but I relate to mm. him in many ways. Sure. To yeah. the point where I've never hated Squall because I've understood you know where he's neither. coming from. Hmm. Um, so okay, but let's talk about the whatevers real quick. <laughs> and do you know what he says in Japanese by chance? So a couple of different things. Um, but so they turned this into Squall's tagline, his yeah. like 
recurring. He thing says it that to he Sid. Says he says it to everybody all the time, right? Yeah. Oh, this isn't the right one. Hold on. So um, he has a tag. He has something that he says many times in Japanese, but not as many times. Warukatta. Warukatta na. Warukatta na. That means um. So warukatta means it was bad, and then na means like, I guess it was bad. Hmm. That's weird. Okay, That's so Warukatana is the tagline that is repeated. For whatever. So it's so, Warukatana. I would not have guessed that. We have done, back when we did Dark Pixel Podcast. So Warukata means like my bad. Yes. Yeah. Kind of. Like my bad, but, or, or sorry maybe. Sure. But, it, but it's apparently a terse. But it doesn't mean it's whatever. It's a terse way of saying it. Okay. So it's not like well, a genuine no, I'm sorry. No, that's true. Okay, it's, there it's, you go. That right. makes sense. It's not like, oh, it is, I'm sorry. It's informal speech. It's like, sorry. That makes sense. It's, it's informal, it's terse, it's, it's so maybe it's, a um, bit sarcastic. It's hashtag sorry, not sorry. Right? Kind of, yes. <laughs> kind okay. of. Okay. Well, that actually, that makes a little more sense. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about translation and localization. We did a couple yeah. of Dark Pixel podcasts way early back in 2016 when we first started kind of mm-hmm. focusing on the gaming channel. Um, and the, the two times this was brought up, this whatever thing was brought up to mm. us. And I just revisited them because I remember we had talked about it. Um, but Japanese is a very, very different language from English. Mm-hmm. It, and translating <laughs> yeah. not just the words, which the, the syntax is backwards. Mm. Um, a oh, lot yeah, of yeah. times, it, it's, it, it's a very context um, yeah, they omit high the context language where they yeah. they omit the subject. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the they'll time. omit the verb, th- th- where like they <laughs> yeah. they won't say, but it's just inferred in the conversation, the context of the conversation, yes. what you're talking about, yeah. right? So it's a very very strange language, very different from from English, from English yes. right? So translating it is really hard and requires lots of liberties mm-hmm. to try to like essentially capture the meaning of what they're talking about while using different words mm-hmm. or while adding more words or, or taking away some or yes. changing it because substantially. Because a, a straight translation just wouldn't work. A transliteration wouldn't work at all. would not work at all. Right? So you so have to do that. That's one thing that's important to understand. What, what I think is common or what I've commonly seen is that a lot of um, people who are very into Japanese media, whether they really like anime or they really like manga or they really like yeah. JRPGs. They're hard on the translations. Right? They are hard on the <laughs> yes, translations yeah. because uh, maybe they started, because they have an interest in it, they started yes. learning a little bit of Japanese. And they're like, he didn't really say I that. Think there's I've a te- done that before. I times. think there's a yes. tendency when you're first learning a language yes. and you start to be able to recognize the differences yeah. to be like, that's there's, not what they said. Yeah. I know what they really said. There's a graph that explains <laughs> that actually. When you first begin learning about something, your degree of confidence in what you're learning spikes really yes. high. But as you become intermediate, as you learn more about it, you realize what you don't know, and then it kind of goes down until you actually become more advanced and it slowly goes back up. But your confidence level at the beginning is always like the highest. Yes. (laughs) Even though you know the least, technically. That's actually true of almost anything. That's true of anything, yeah, in school. When you first start learning something, you get a little bit of proficiency. Because it feels good to to feel, oh, I'm I'm a boss, I know this, I'm good at this. Yeah, and the more you learn, you're like, I, I, ah. I mean, I was kind of this way yeah. a lot with my writing. Um, okay. Maybe yeah. like, you know, towards the beginning when I started, you know, doing stuff on YouTube and, and uh, like, my book that I'm writing has, like, changed, changed so much because <laughs> yeah. I learned how much I really did not know about good storytelling yeah. 
back when I thought the book you know, was complete and really solid and really good. You could publish that first version of your book and then re and then publish this version now. <laughs> and they would be nobody would know that totally they're even the same different book. stories. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows? Maybe one will do. But it, it's it's it, but you're right. It's it's this it's this process of thinking. Like you gain a little proficiency and think. Oh, I've got a handle yeah. on this. I know what I'm doing. And uh, to yeah. some degree, when we were first doing our filmmaking, I started feeling that way. Oh yeah. And then over time, we, you we start criticize these hundred million to budget dollar budget yeah. films for doing things wrong. And then at the same time, we're dropping left and right. <laughs> we're crossing lines. We're doing all sorts of bad things. Yeah, you know? I, I was watching some of our dark pixel videos. I can't remember why. A few days ago, yeah. I'm going like, dude, that could have been executed so much better. You know, I mean, but but I rough. think when we released it, we were really happy, we thought and really it was proud really of good. it. That yeah. was really good. So, anyways, yeah. my point is that despite the fact that these whatever lines are not necessarily technically accurate mm -hmm. to what he's saying in Japanese. Yeah. I, I, I hold to my um, position that I think this was the first Final Fantasy game in the series that was actually really well localized. Hmm. Like the translation. I haven't noticed any weird mistakes yet. The, the, the English flows really yeah, well. There's no this guy are sick. There's no this guy are sick or <laughs> grammatical errors or anything like that. And I'm yeah. never actually thinking about the text. Right. Like I'm just reading it and the story's flowing and I'm just kind of, but I'm not like thinking, oh, that sound, that was kind of weird. Mm -hmm. That was worded not necessarily correctly. Except for Idea's speech, but we'll get into that. We'll later. get into that in a minute. <laughs> and there actually are some big differences. Yeah, those are huge differences between what she meaning. says in Japanese. Yeah. But anyways, so there's a couple of examples here um, that I just want to go through real quick and show you the difference. So yeah. the first instance of when he says whatever is in the fire cavern, right? Oh, okay. And, um, She's basically talking about, ooh, you know, you, the, the boys usually get nervous if I come <laughs> with them, right? Yeah, yeah. And his answer in English is whatever. Mm. But he's thinking in his mind, right? He didn't say it out loud. Um, but in Japanese... I like how they did that, actually, with the parentheses. Yeah. It, Although it gets very confusing once you're dreaming. With well, I actually, I actually <laughs> thought it was really well handled because... Really? Because you're reading Laguna's thoughts and Squall's yeah. thoughts at the same We'll get to you, that in a minute. You can tell who's who, but it, yeah. at first it was a little it's rough It's a for complex me. thing to try and execute. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. They did a pretty good job, though. Anyways, um, in Japanese in this scene, he says something more like, I can't believe this teacher, right? Okay. Because my teacher is like essentially like talking about how hot she is and how nervous <laughs> she makes boys. I can't believe this teacher. This is an yeah, example yeah, yeah. where I actually think it, whatever might not have been the best choice for the translation. Sure. But maybe like ser seriously question or something like yeah. that would have been a little better. Um, yeah. But he does I, still, I still think it works in particular for a scene that we're not going to get into today. But a, a scene between okay. Squall and Renoa at the end, there's a romantic oh, okay. scene together that I think this whatever tag that they overused, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. pays off really well in the okay. scene. I think it's... I, I'm okay with these <laughs> instances where it's not technically correct, mm -hmm. and, and they decided... Because it's still essentially the same sentiment, right? Right, he's just brushing it off. He's just saying, like... He's just like... What the freak? Yeah, who do you think you are? Like, what is that? That's the yeah. sentiment, and you can express that with the word whatever. Sure, totally. And with, I can't believe this teacher. Even though the yeah, words are different, enough. he's still essentially being like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> right? <laughs> what the heck is wrong? What's your problem? That's what he's feeling. Yeah. But there, I've just listed three, four different ways that you can express that same feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think whatever still works, right? Fair and enough. so... Anyways, the second time comes in this uh, little dialogue uh, when 
uh, Sid asks Squall about like how did it feel to be on the battlefield? Yes, and I thought it was <coughs> fascinating because I selected the the option where he says whatever. Oh, also. you did. And um, he he said whatever to the headmaster. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this guy is like the principal. He's he's the teacher's boss. You know, yeah. he's you always give deference and respect to. And he says whatever. Of course, I kind of selected the I think the dot 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 option yeah. where he says that. But still, in, it was kind of I didn't know he was going to say whatever. That wasn't yeah. in the option. But he said he ended up saying whatever. And I was so like, apparently, Ooh. in Japanese, Ooh. it's more like no big deal or meh. Yeah, which is essentially the same thing as saying Monday whatever. Night, Monday to night. me, whatever means like meh or no big deal yeah, or no whatever. problem. No yeah. problem. Whatever. Sure, sure. It, so I think that works. Right, it's or it's fine. I could see a lot of these being shikatanai, which technically means, um, like, what do you you know? What are you gonna do? What else are you gonna do about it? You know, like it is what yeah. it is. Oh, well, I can maybe I pull it up and you can see the the Japanese there. Uh, betsuni, betsuni is another way to say that. Yes, yeah. yeah. Often you'll say betsuni for betsu means like separate, I think, but a lot of times you say it to be like no big, right? Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, that's a good. Um, so and to me, whatever still works, right? They'll say betsuni um, for. A lot of different things in Japan, by the way. Yeah. Betsuni means it's context sensitive, I guess. It, right. mean, it means whatever the sentence before it. And that's why means. Japanese is so hard. I to know translate. it is. It's true. Right? It's true. Because it's why such you a high say, context. And then somebody who's just learning Japanese will be like, oh, he said Betsuni. He didn't say whatever. But it's like, well, hold on. What does Betsuni mean in this in context? context? It's very yeah. different from what the technical dictionary says Betsuni would mean, you know, or yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so then the third, good the third time is on the balcony. We're talking where Inquistus comes and talks to him. Um, you know, she's talking mm. about how it's strange that he'll dance with some random stranger, but you can't you can't stand being around me. And his answer is yeah. whatever, which was Watukatana, which is what he what became his Japanese tagline. So he says yeah. that many times. Okay, he just doesn't he are... just doesn't say Watukatana as many times as he says whatever in English. Yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. But he still says it a lot, yeah. right? And so again, that could be like my bad. Sorry, or excuse me, or something like that. Oh, yeah, but that makes sense. it's a terse or sarcastic, informal way of saying it. It's not like okay. a genuine sorry. And so, like, there are a lot of people who would point out, like, he says sorry, he doesn't say whatever, he's not being rude. Like, no, in Japanese, within their culture, what's perceived as rude is a little different from what yes. we perceive as rude <laughs> in our culture, right? Which could so have also been a reason for it. Which could have also been a reason for the change. Sure. Watukatana in that context might have been kind of a rude thing to say in Japanese. Even though it might technically mean my bad or I'm sorry right. or something, it's still kind of a rude way of saying it. Yeah. And so they kind of just extrapolated that with to whatever, mm-hmm. where it's a little more dismissive, a little more sarcastic. It makes it feel more rude. It makes it feel, yeah. like for me, when I was hearing, especially with this scene with her the later on that we're about to come to, um, I was like, dude, that's a little over the top. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get that you like don't care about other people's problems, but like, you're you're being pretty rough here right yeah. now. Um, and then, okay, so I'm not going to go through all these, but there's there's several. Th- we've made the main point. The main yeah, point he says is that a lot of different things. He says different things. It's not always whatever, but I actually think that they mostly express this, a similar sentiment. Mm. This dismissal, this not yeah. wanting to connect, this wanting to like disengage with the thought or like mm-hmm. just leave, get off my back, leave me alone, um, you know, I can't believe you, right. or, uh, you know, sorry, mm-hmm. but a dismissive, terse, sorry, I'm sorry. Like, sorry, like rolling your eyes. That it, everything can, here is rolling your eyes. Yeah, it can right. all be essentially boiled down to whatever anyways. Yeah. It's the same sure. sentiment. 
So I think that whatever works and, and personally. And what I do too, actually, especially hearing your explanation and seeing this, I, I agree with you. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. convinced because I didn't like it at first either. But when I think about it, a lot of his whatevers are in parentheses, meaning they're his thoughts. He's or thinking, he's it, whispering, not necessarily yeah. saying. He's it. not necessarily saying it, and and so it's you, you know in my mind I'm like, oh, he's saying it, but a lot of times it's it's just what he's thinking, and that makes a lot more sense because you just kind of think whatever over and over and over. Um, he doesn't say it as often as he thinks it. Yeah. So yeah. So on the back of that, when yeah. she takes him uh, to the training center, mm-hmm. and then she starts like unloading By the her way, problems. I love that there's like two other couples making out because <laughs> at first she's like, oh, there's this special place where the adult, or the adults, yeah. the, um, what do you call it? The seniors go away to uh, just escape. They don't get caught. It's like a hideout kind yeah. of thing, yeah. right? And I, for my initial thought is like, oh, it's make out point, right? Yeah. Like, oh, it's the, it, but when you go there and it's like, oh, there really are like a few other couples here that are yeah. privately doing their own thing. Yeah. But it's so Japanese to even though there's still people there, you still go and have your private moment because Japan's such a crowded country. Mm. It is not common for you to actually go somewhere and be alone. Especially With if you're like Tokyo. Around yeah. other well, people, you mean? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go to a room or, you know, yeah. and that's why they have like love hotels and stuff because oh, right. it's really, like, I'm not exaggerating. It's really hard to be alone in Japan yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you have a room or a house or, you know, a specific place. But even their, their apartments and stuff in Japan, it's like, it's like two rooms, you know. It's a very limited, very small sure. uh, thing, and especially if you live in Tokyo, and that can be quite expensive to have a two-room apartment yeah. in Tokyo. And so I love, it's just a little Japanese influence where in America, you would have Makeout Point be completely vacant, yeah. and you would have them have their special moment here in a place where there's no one else. But in because these developers are Japanese, and it's subtle, no one even mentions it, they don't even call attention to it. Nobody even mentions that there's other oh, yeah. people oh, here. Oh, there's, there's little, little people PDA. here. Yeah. Like, make it like hey, Chris, Christus, why'd you take me here? There's these, yeah. you know. But they didn't even mention it because it's just, and PDA is not normal in Japan. I just. Yeah, I was going to ask. It's that. not normal in Japan, but it is so hard to be alone yeah. <laughs> anywhere. And like I, when I was in Japan, I went to the top of Tokyo Tower and they have these fun um, like seats. And I think the whole thing rotates if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be wrong about that, but they have these like love seats positioned, going facing out, going all around in a circle, kind yeah. of. And you, you know, it's always a guy and a girl that are sitting there together because it costs like a hundred bucks to go up there. Yeah, it's pretty expensive, <laughs> uh, but it's I, I, it feels kind of weird because it's not private at all. So yeah. Japan, they don't do PDA, meaning public display of affection, but they also don't do privacy like at all. Nobody has a sense of privacy very well. You know, that's why they pack into trains and everyone's yeah. so close. So I just love that touch. I love that there. It just kind of it shows that because yeah. it's so Western. Everything about Final Fantasy is on its face so Western, but there's so much Japanese influence, influence if you yeah. just look underneath mm. the surface a little bit. That's interesting. But yeah, so she starts unloading her problems on him, and yeah. so I have a I have, I have a little bit of a different. He doesn't reading. even pretend to care. N- no, not even a little. But but to be fair to him, yeah, she okay. brought him there on totally false pretenses. Fair enough. She didn't give him an a, an opportunity, and it was a command. He couldn't yeah. say no. She yeah. didn't. She didn't give him an opportunity. She didn't ask him, "Hey, would you?" Uh, uh, there's some things in my mind. You know, is it okay? Would you would yeah, you be willing we, yeah, to listen to me for a minute? Can we talk? Can we talk? If if she had said that and given him an opportunity to be like, sorry, that's not me. Right. Like then but, he wouldn't. But yeah. She that's dragged true, him sure. through sure. fighting a bunch of monsters, a T-Rex. up to a freaking like romantic spot <laughs> yeah. against his will, kind of, 
and, right. and, and basically just started he venting. because he thought she was still his teacher. And just started like unloading on him. Yeah. Now, there's a couple of elements to this, and this that is where is I want to talk about Squall's personality well, a little Have bit. you ever had a teacher vent to you, by the way? No. I haven't. No. I know she's young, but still, she's the authority figure. Yeah. And she it's is like... It's a weird relationship. It is weird. It is weird. Yeah. So, anyways, I don't... His response is very rude. It's, it's, yes. it's <laughs> to the point of being kind of cruel. Absolutely. I felt I, I I would not have done that myself. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Right? Good to hear. I don't think it's the right thing to be that harsh in right. your rejection of a person. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I, I still feel like what she did was not necessarily... I, I think she was pretty rude sure. in turn. Yeah. Now, maybe not intentionally. Maybe it's just an emotional immaturity on yeah. both of their parts. And that's kind of a recurring theme throughout like all of Final Fantasy VIII. Uh-huh. But... At the same time, I want to talk about his personality a little bit. And that is to say that I totally get and relate to somebody who comes across to people at first as being kind of an a-hole and people don't like (laughs) you very much at first, right? But then when you're finally able to kind of break through Mm. the barrier that they put up, you see a bit of a different side to them and you see why why they're so guarded or protective of that, right? There's usually a reason for it. He has real problems. Yes. But it's funny because people unload their problems on him and it's it's like, oh take care of yourself, you know? But at the same time it's like I think a more accurate answer that he just doesn't realize himself is that, hey, I have huge problems too, but I don't want to talk about what what he says is I don't want people's burdens. Yes. And you need to figure this out. Yeah, yourself. Don't put it on me. What is really happening yeah. is I am not emotional. I'm so volatile in right, here. Yeah. It, I, On the face, it looks like I'm real cool and composed. Uh-huh. But what's going on in here is so violently... Don't add to it. Freaking yeah, yeah. temptuous. Or you know what's com- funny? <laughs> like, tempestuous is the word I was looking for. That if, if yeah. we break in there, I'm going to freak out. Yeah. I can't handle what you're trying to give to me. That's right. what's really happening with Squall. But he can't, he doesn't but do he, words. He there can't <laughs> voice that. Yeah. And, and he's trying so hard to guard this you know what's volatility inside. That is so similar to Cypher. Like when, yeah. you, when you look at the two of them, at the beginning, like they couldn't be more different, right? They're just, they're not the same kind of person. But as you learn more about them and see their inner workings and, and the issues that they face and how they are so emotional yet closed off emotionally in a yeah. lot of ways, um, Squall doesn't necessarily act out the way Cypher does, but inside they're very, very similar. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, I think there's an episode it's, of Cowboy Bebop I watched once where Spike, <laughs> yeah. he finds somebody and everyone says, oh, you guys are so similar, but they hate each other. Yeah. They absolutely hate each other. But And they hate that people keep telling them that they're alike in yeah. any way. And yeah. they like are trying to kill each other by the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. But... That I see that with Squall and uh, and Cipher here, where yeah. it's like they really are alike. But my gosh, don't tell them that. The difference, the difference is that Cipher is not afraid to express what he's feeling. Right, right. Like he's he's he will act. He he yeah. has a little bit more, I guess, confidence. Maybe it's a bit of a faux confidence, or maybe like sure. a naive Action, confidence. Definitely, but yeah. more confidence to express or act on the things he's feeling. Yeah, and and Squall is essentially trying to repress everything mm-hmm. he's feeling. And repress is a good word. And That's Squall. Just totally team. bury it. Yeah. Right? Because, and, and I relate to that on a deep level. Like, yeah. that's what I've done my whole life. And what it results mm-hmm. in is a lot of really bad first impressions where people think 
you're really mean. They think that you're, mm. you, they think that like you're a jerk. They think right. they, they don't like you. Or that you just don't care. Or that you don't care about anything. And, and in, in some ways it may be true you don't care about the people you meet immediately, but it's like, well, but everyone needs a chance to like get to know people better yeah. or whatever. And, but, and yeah, this is of. going to be the arc of mm-hmm. Squall's character, right? Yeah. He's going to learn to become more vulnerable. And is going to be a big part of that mm-hmm. over the course of the She's story. She's going to force him out of his shell. But at the beginning of it, I can understand why a lot of people are like, I hate this main character. Right. He's really, really, he's a jerk. I don't like this guy. Right. Because a lot of people felt that way about me in my well, lifetime. Well, that's interesting. And, that's interesting. And I don't blame them for that. Oh, sure. Well, there you go. <laughs> and I don't blame people for not liking Squall. Well, there but you go. just keep in mind, if it's a first-time playthrough, yeah. he's not going to stay this way all the way through. Sure. And they balance him with a second pseudo-main character who is a, an extremely likable... Yes. And an open book. Yeah. And very, yeah. With Laguna, which we'll get into in a little bit later. <laughs> Laguna's role was actually supposed to be much bigger you than know, it ended up I being. I wanted... But... After my first playthrough of the game, or after my first just experience with Laguna when they kind of pass out, um, I was like, I want to play. I want to play as him as a main character. He yeah. seems like a fun kind of guy. Like that would be that would be fascinating. Yeah. So they, um, yep, they have a good time. They, Not so really. When oh, they also, come out by of the that. way, it's after midnight. In fact, Quistus yeah. is like, what time is it? He's like, it's past midnight. Think about what happened that day. That yeah. was a long day. For long. Him. Day. That was a long day. And yeah. here's this teacher who wants to like be a burden on him even more. <laughs> like I they don't talk about that at all, but I, I could see that being a little more realistic as well. Like he is ready for bed. Yeah, like let this guy get some sleep. Exactly. Okay. So, so they come back, fight a T-Rex, and Renoa is there. Well, no, it's not Renoa. It's a girl we don't know the name of yet. Oh dear. <laughs> oh sorry. She's girl wearing we the blue know. dress. Yes. Girl, it's we don't. Renault. Girl, we don't know the name of you. But it's the girl from the very, very, very beginning who yes. walks in and says, "Oh, like Squall, we say? meet again." Yeah, we meet again, and then she leaves. Kind of okay, and then she's got like handlers. She's got like security around her. Right. But yeah, it's not Renoa. It's somebody else who is also happens to be wearing have brown hair and be wearing <laughs> a blue dress. <laughs> blue dress. <laughs> but yes, it's this is the third major mystery that they've set up mm. for the story. Is yeah. this girl? They've called attention to it, I think, four times at this point with, with this scene. Now, here's something that, you, that is a really good, subtle piece of foreshadowing. Mm. They hear a girl in trouble. Yeah. Quistus says, oh my gosh, what's happening? Let's run over there. The girl says, Squall, Quisty. Yes, she said Quisty. She calls to Quistus as yes. Quisty, as if she knows her, right? Uh, yeah, Quisty. Like a, like, a, like a, what do you call that, a, a pet name or like a, a nickname uh, A nickname, kind of a thing, yeah, yeah, something right? like that. Quisty, help. Yes, and then after she leaves, after they fight the bad guy, uh, Quistus says, or who was Squall th- says, who was that? And Quistus is like, I, I never yeah, remember. Yeah, who, who is that? I don't know who that yeah. is. So it's like, well, so wait, but she knew who Squall you Squall and Quistus yeah. have no idea who this girl is, and she clearly seems to know who they are, mm. right? And, well, we know that she knows who Squall is because she calls out to him by name in the infirmary in the very beginning. And now she's yes. calling to Quisty by this nickname. Yeah, so which means they were close. It doesn't they, just mean she knows yeah. her. It means that they were close. Exactly. Yeah. So third major mystery is who is this girl that keeps popping up and how does she know our characters and why don't they know her? Mm-hmm. So third, bi- now, the reason I'm pointing out these things is what we're going to do as we go through, because I think the setups for these five mysteries we'll get to by the end of today's episode, I think they're all set up 
fairly well. Again, I feel like the, the radio interference could have been Oh, better. that one. And if there's another one that I think is really that. hidden that we'll get into in a minute. Okay. They're, they're real hidden in the, the bread, tr the bread crumbs are left on the periphery of the yes. plot and not, not in the plot, miss. so they're yeah. easy to miss. But the five mysteries that are set up, um, we're going to pay attention to how they're paid off Later. in the second and third act of the game. Sweet. But this is another big one. So, yeah, and um, there's really not much more to say about her. I just don't know. We yeah, don't know who right she now is we don't know too much. Okay, so two more things before we get out of Balam and uh, start moving into uh, the main story here. First of all, um, the way that you get money in this game it's like a salary yes. rather than like yeah. in and traditional. Yeah, it's based on your performance yeah, in some way, right? Yeah, so you have a seed rank. Yeah. So they, they judge your performance based on what you did in the fire cavern and in the Dalit mission. And they'll assign you a seed rank. And depending on that seed rank, you get paid a salary. You can increase that seed rank by taking tests mm -hmm. um, in the menu. So you go into the menu, uh, go down to the tutorial, right. and then there's like a test section. You can take all these seed exams, and if you pass them, you increase your salary, mm. right? Another thing that I don't know if they, I don't know if they call it out directly <laughs> or if you kind of have to find that. But that's how you make money in the game. Um, and it's, it's a little different. Usually in RPGs, you defeat a monster, you get money you by fighting. Yeah. Um, so there's a quote here from Katase about this that I wanted to um, read. So he says, up until then, all RPGs had pretty much been defeat the monster, you get some money, you get some experience points, and you level up. Right. And it was just a continuation over and over again. Within those letters and opinions we saw about Final Fantasy VII, there were a number of people saying, isn't it time for something new? We'd like a new system. For example, up until then, uh, if you defeated a monster, you got money, but in Final Fantasy VIII, we decided to give players salaries, so after a certain period of time passes, they get money. Uh, there was definitely pe some people who weren't happy with that because it wasn't what they expected or weren't prepared for it to be, yeah. but equally, I thought it would present a new appeal for people. So, I liked the idea and concept. I think it it works within the whole like seed, like you, you yeah. working for seed. Because whatever you're doing at any given time is typically a mission that you yeah. are sent on. Yeah. And um, so they'd be you are an employee paying, and you get salaried. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's weekly or monthly. And the mission you're sent on, they're paying for mm -hmm. you to be there. So it all yeah. kind of, it's a business. So I like it. The thing about money in this game is that it almost never comes into play though. <laughs> like, in most Final right. Fantasies or most RPGs, you're going from town to town buying like new equipment. Every new town, you get Buying new, new magic yeah. spells, buying new yeah. whatever. Buying items. Items. Right. The, the only time in all of Disc 1 that mm. I spent any money at a shop was to buy tents so that I could yes. refine them or <laughs> into Kiraga spells. Oh, nice. Not because I was going <laughs> to use the tents. Right. So, while the idea is fine, just, you don't really need money for much in the game yeah. at all anyways. You, you use it to buy train tickets, which oh, are yeah. required yeah. anyways it's to like move on with the story. Yeah. But like, I don't know. It, this is a thing I don't really have like much of a strong opinion on because money isn't that important in the game. And, so, and do you feel like you lost much by money not being a... I don't either. Not really. I don't either. Because typically you go to a new place in, in, in like Final Fantasy Nine or something seven, we'll say seven. Yeah. You go to a new place, you buy the new sword, you buy the new items, you just re-equip everyone. It's just kind of, it just takes yeah. time. And, mm -hmm. and then, but the enemies are more difficult. So even though yeah. your stuff's better, your still takes the same amount of time to for every battle, basically, yeah. right? So it doesn't really make that big a difference. And the way this game did it, I didn't really miss it. So yeah. I think it was fine. And if you take the seed exams, you're getting like freaking tons of money, like <laughs> yeah. all the time. So you're never gonna be hurting for money. 
Because um, it's like, I don't know if it's a, it's based on how many steps you take or if it's based on just on a, a passing of time. But you like know, there's a certain I, amount of time passes. It's just random. Bam, yeah. you get a salary. Yeah. And if you've taken all the seed exams you can up to level 12 or 15 or whatever you are at the time, you're getting like 20,000 gil every single yeah. time this happens. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like bam, bam, bam. That adds up pretty quick. And I've never, I've never in, in any of my plays of the, playthroughs of this game encountered a time where I was like, oh, I don't have enough money. Right. I, I always have enough money. Because if you do not have enough money, what do you do? You just have to wait. Yeah. So they kind of avoided that whole situation. Exactly. Which is fair enough. So um, you go back, and uh, the next um, morning you wake up, and the timber mission has showed up. And yeah, new you're mission. already being sent on your, your, your first mission. First mission at the day after becoming a seed. And it's in timber, and you really, they don't really explain too much right off the bat, other than timber is full of resistance people. Mm. It's like a town of people who just resist the government all the time. Because timber, like all they timber do. was invaded by Galbadia. Yes. Uh, after the 17 years ago Sorceress War thing ended, yeah. where Ezthar went quiet and the radio interference mm-hmm. began, uh, that's when this new president, Vinzer Delling, Vinzer, yeah, came yeah. into power. And one of the things he did was occupy timber. Yeah. And, so, and they consider him more yeah. of a dictator than a president, right? Yeah, exactly. So they all try to resist him all the time, and because of that, he kind of has gotten wise to a lot of their schemes. Anytime there's news, or sometimes he will purposefully seed out in false information because these resistance people are always going to try and attack oh, him. Oh, one right? thing I want to mention before before leaving Balaam. Uh, if you have selfie in your party, so when you go out to the front gate, and they, they Sid tells you the... the yeah. um, and Zell comes mission. up on a skateboard. And a skateboard and they confiscate it. Taken away. So when you get selfie in the party, if you go back inside <clears throat> and you go up to the, the, the student desks, the computers that oh, they have yeah, at the desk, she has a diary in there oh, nice. uh, that you can read. And there's a couple of very important pieces of foreshadowing. Really? <laughs> that, that, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> that really change how a big plot twist later in the game will land. Really? Um, I Let's guess it might have been a spoiler to say that. I'll consider cutting that part of it out but okay so we'll see what the ter- the student terminal says um, if you go into the basics menu um, and then go into the school festival committee which is her little menu and you go into selfies diary she writes uh, well in in the in the in the basics menu so not in her diary but in the basics menu it says a GF is an independent energy source by combining it with paramagic it is possible to control tremendous energy. Memory loss is a possible mm-hmm. side effect, but this has not been proven as of yet. And then you go into her diary. You Obviously, know, she would have read that. I right? do remember reading that on my first playthrough, but it wasn't oh. in disc one. Oh, <laughs> it right. was later when I went back there later. Right. So then you go into her diary. She, being a, a seed student, would have read that in the basics in their computer terminals. Mm-hmm. She said, I've been assigned on my first mission. Uh, I'm not sure where we're to be sent. Even if I knew, I wouldn't tell you. But once the mission's done, we're free to talk about uh, what we want. So just wait, okay? I hope someone's reading this. Well, wish me luck. I'll be back very soon. Worry number one, side effects of GF. I've been studying up on the GF because, you know, I'll uh, be using more of it now. And I, uh, now that I'm a seed, am I going to lose my memories? Wow. She just basically says it straight up. So since it's there, I think it's and it's all it's not and a spoiler. You can do it on disc one. Sure. <laughs> you can do it on disc one. It's important. It's hugely important yeah. to have a setup to this. Yeah. There is speculation in the world that using GFs mm-hmm. will cause memory loss. That is one of the major 
um, criticisms of using GFs. Uh, it, is, it is even mentioned that the other gardens, only Balam Garden is actually experimenting yes, with GF the other use. Ones don't use it. You go to Galbadia Garden later, they don't use GFs there. Uh, there's a lot of criticism surrounding using GFs. And the, the garden faculty, who you go and talk to yes, right after graduation, that's is like, fascinating. please ignore any criticism about GFs. Yes. <laughs> just, just ignore all that. From just anyone. pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. And it's funny. But one of the major things is using GFs will cause you to lose your memories, allegedly. Okay. Back into the Kay. timber mission. So uh, mm. we buy our ticket. We go off uh, to timber. We get into the train. And uh, the things that happen on the train are kind of funny. So um, you go into this room, and they, Zell calls it the seed room. I don't know if it's always just for seeds or if it's on like, the on the yeah on the train with the the people. I, I don't yeah no, no yeah on just the big train with everybody. It's just their suite. Oh, their the suite the in their room. Yeah. Um, he calls it the seed suite or something. I don't know if he just called it that because they were on it or if it's normally normally de- designated for seed. Because he says something else later on. He said, he said, I think he says he like says, it pays to be a seed. Like oh, exactly. Yeah. And um, but also even after that though, um, he says after the thing happens, the dream, um, he says, um, "Wow, um, what do you think happened? I don't know, but people don't." Like seeds very much or something like that. Yeah. They knew he was there because they, they was he was saying maybe someone used sleeping gas on us or something. Yes, because they don't like us. Right, because yeah. people don't like seeds. So they get in there and it's this huge suite. Uh, but what ends up happening is uh, they all end up passing out and having this crazy dream where mm-hmm. they it's like a it's like a DMT drug trip because they're all <laughs> seeing the same thing. Yep. And they're all um, you know what so I I, re- I really like what I really liked right before that happened. It's just a little nice character moment for Zell. Um, he's basically explaining to Squall something about timber, and and oh yeah, and, and Squall calls him a know-it-all. Hey, right? don't you know uh, <laughs> this this and Galbadia took over, and, and he's in like seventeen years, and, and, and he, timber. Was, he was leading into like making a point about it. It seems, yes. and then Squall's like, okay, so what about it? Yeah. It's like, oh, now that's it. And then Squall's <laughs> like, thanks, Mister Know-it-all Zell, yeah. and his response is, hey man, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I love that dude. I thought that was Zell is great. I I love Zell. Love. The characters in the game. I'm sorry. Yeah. There are so many people who just can't stand these characters, and I, I, to the end of my life, I will never understand why. It's because they yeah. have a great chemistry. I think. I think so together. I yeah. think that they play off of each other. The yeah. characters that they surround Squall with in his immediate party balance his cold, calculated, well, yeah. callous, coarse, like mm-hmm. jerk personality yeah. with these really likable fun personalities. Yeah. I just I loved moments like that. And and the animations they give to Zell and Selfie too, like when they're waiting. Yeah, he's they're waiting like to um, or he's like, yeah. They're waiting to know whether they're gonna pass seed or not. And and you see Zell kind of walking back and forth and just mm-hmm. like and then as soon as he gets caught, hey, and he's just like marching like <laughs> and, and they're like, Yay, we you know, we passed. And he always does his I, fist I like them. I, I like the animations. Too. I like the yeah. character that, that they give to them. They act their age. I will say that yeah, for, sure. for sure. They act their age, which is more or less, you know, believable. I knew people liked Ellis. And then they <laughs> contrast Zell. our party acting their age with a new party in the dream yes. sequence that follows. They all, so they all fall into a dream. They they all, all of a sudden. I like, oh, what's freaking wrong? when I first played this game, I had no idea what was going on, and I had no <laughs> idea how long that sequence was going to take, yeah. and I had no idea if we were ever going to see our main character squall yeah. ever again. <laughs> yep. So you drop into this sequence. The only the only thing that gave me the hint that we were going to see squall again was that you can read squall's thoughts as 
the uh, this new sequence is going along. Mm -hmm. So we got three brand new characters: Laguna and Ka 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 Ki Oh dang it, Kiros, Kiros, Kiros Ward, and, and Ward. And uh, so, anyways, they're soldiers. They're Galbadian soldiers. And Laguna's their leader, which is hilarious because they all they both kind of talk to him as though. He, he just never knows what, what's going on. He doesn't know where they are. He has the worst sense of direction in the world. He forgets things. He's just not fit to be a leader. Yeah. In terms, not, it's not due to his anything that's his fault. It's just how he is. He yeah. is not a leader kind of person. But for some reason, he's the leader of this group. <laughs> and they both know that he's not fit to be their leader. <laughs> so they're always making these snide remarks. And he comes up with the funniest little one-liners where he'll be like, um, what did he say? Um, I think it's in the second dream. He says, uh, well... Uh, nothing's or um, free. Nothing's cheaper no, than free. free. Nothing's cheaper yeah, than free, and they're all like, "Nothing cheaper." Dot dot dot. Than free. Than free. <laughs> and he's like, "What?" <laughs> like he has no idea that these witty one-liners he comes up with are just not actually saying anything. Yeah. You know, anything important. So Laguna's great. <clears throat> I think is my favorite character. In the I game. love Laguna, especially because of okay. So they're on this mission and they're kind of going through this. Um, I think it's like a foresty area, and they're just completely lost. And they don't do anything. They fight a bunch of low-level grunt monsters, you know. And the, the Kiros keeps bringing up like, "Hey, aren't we supposed to be like doing something over here?" And mm. eventually, they just decide to leave. They're just like, <laughs> "We're done. Let's go home." <laughs> it, that's basically how it goes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, they're like, "Okay." Much. So they find their way to the car. They're like, "Oh." Here Here's the car. Yes, we got it. Okay, let's go home and have a drink. Yeah. And so they drive back to and, their hometown. And I especially love when they get there. He just parks in the middle of the road, and I he know, creates and this cars huge, this huge <laughs> traffic jam. And like yeah. you go into the hotel, even right? it's not that close. You have to walk. Yeah, you, you run into the hotel, and when you when you first enter, the the street by the hotel is clear. Yeah. Uh, but when you if you come back out after entering, the whole freaking road oh, is backed really? up. So which is indicating that where they parked back here backed the whole city up because That's a the, nice the city touch. That's is, is essentially like you can drive around it. Yeah. Like when you get on the buses later, right? Yes. Yeah, it's essentially a circuit. Like it's yeah, designed yeah. like a circuit. Which is how Japan So the yeah. the idea is that his car parked <laughs> in the middle of the road on this other screen it back here the whole backed thing. traffic in the entire circuit. All the way around. That is funny, dude. It's, I love that. It's so funny. It's it's a really really great touch. Of His humor. character, he's really silly, and that's a that's a whole, huge theme of Final Fantasy VIII. There's just a lot of silly characters, but they have really good hearts. They're really good mm. people. They're strong people with with complex backgrounds, yeah. but they are silly and in ways that normal people are. Right? You yeah. know, you just think your average person. You know, your average like. 95 IQ, just like person out there, just just living their life, you know. Yeah. And it's like this is kind of what what it is, you know. They're just normal dudes. They go out for a drink, you know. They're slacking at their job. They're just trying to live life and get through. And so he goes to this hotel, and they all know it, but he pretends like, oh, I I I need a drink, man. You guys want a drink? And they're like, dude, we know why you want to go there. It's not for the drinks. There's this hot hot girl. What's her name? I can't remember. Um, it's uh, oh, why did I Julia? Julia. Julie. Yeah, Julia. Julia. And um, he just basically wants to go there to just stare at her. That's yeah. like all he does. And he'll order drinks or whatever. They always say the usual, which means they come here all the time. Yep. Right? And it's hints late, hinted later on that they're just always there. Um, and so the guys are like, come on, dude, go talk to her. And so he gets up and he just can't. He's such a wuss. He, he can't talk to her. I he love that. I love His leg cramps the up. cramping. The leg cramping. <laughs> like, oh. 
And, and I especially and he's walking it. in a circle. He walks back right in front of her again, still living. Yep, yep. And, and, <laughs> and, the, and what I especially love is that when he goes back down again, because yeah. he's like, oh, I chickened out. And yeah. then, and then uh, Ward and Kira, so they see her coming. And they're like, hey, man, we're taking off. Yeah. You know, drinks are on us. Just stay a while. Stay as long and as then you she, want. Yeah. And, then, and he's turned facing them. And then she comes in behind him. Uh-huh. Kieran's running and goes, oh! And he starts, oh! he starts cramping his <laughs> leg again. <laughs> I didn't starts, catch he that. He starts kind of like limping away. I didn't realize that's what was happening. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And um, That's so funny. Yeah, oh, it's just, it's a great touch. He and just uh, can't handle it. Like, he wants <laughs> certain things, but he just, he's not built for that, you yeah. know? So, so she has to make all the moves, right? He won't do anything. He won't take a single risk with her. Yeah. He won't invite her. He won't... You know, even when he does later on, he talks about, like, hey, he's like, hey, we should go get a drink together yeah. sometime. It's like, you're together right now. Why are you <laughs> it's doing like this? It's like he's so, he has no idea what to do. He does like He's lost. He's talking it. about Kira and Ward and we're buddies and we go so drink. Good. You should come with us. Yeah. Like, my buddies and I to go <laughs> drink. He's like, you're, you're like essentially on a first date with a girl <laughs> inviting her to come drink with you're your buddies. You're in a room alone with her. <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing, but he's so yeah. true to himself. He is. And yeah. once he gets rolling and he like loosens up, he's just an open open book and yep. he's so opposite yeah. of Squall. And and she this really is something that, she finds that the, the developers talked about. Um, let's see if I can pull up the interview here. Not this one. I keep pulling up this one. This is why though. I want a game of just Laguna and them. Like I want them to That's, just like have their own what, game. That uh, is what Nojima, uh, no the uh, Kazushika Nojima, the yeah. scenario writer, he said if they ever did more Final Fantasy VIII would be, games, he would want to do a Laguna story. Like right? a spy, a, and this is actually this is actually something I'd love it. That I wish they had done in Final Fantasy X with oh, yeah. um, with uh, with uh, Jacked and Braska oh. and and uh, you know all yeah. that story of the parents. Yes, of the parents. Yuna the and um, and. Uh, Titus. Titus, that's it. Yeah, Titus yeah. And, and Yuna's fathers yeah, went parents. on a pilgrimage before them, right. right? And so you see that in flashbacks in Final Fantasy X. I wish that they had done it kind of like in where you could eight, actually where you like played it yeah, a little part bit. Of it. That would have been really cool. Yeah. And it was actually the intention to make essentially balance the game half and half. Half the game is Squall and Company. That, half the game is Laguna. And that company. would have been crazy. I'd have loved it, but it, it, because I love Laguna, more Laguna is not a bad thing. Yeah. But that would have been rough on the on the general. Like, what story are you trying to tell here, kind of thing? It yeah. was complicated enough well, having one main. They character. didn't have enough time to execute it. Okay. And they had to end that up might cutting, be for the best. They ended up cutting a lot of Laguna content. <laughs> really. And they actually had developed a world map for like oh, the no Laguna storyline. So story and and the Nojima talks about it, where he's like, you know, he felt embarrassed that they essentially had a lot of their team work. develop all this work uh. that they just like cut out. Um, but he says, as for Squall and Laguna, the basic idea was that we wanted Laguna's character to do things that Squall was unable to. In the beginning, when I talked with Nomura, we decided Squall's character was aloof and unsociable, and he doesn't like to talk to people, and I thought, okay, cool, but that might be a problem for the story. Yes. But I figured, no matter how aloof he may be, he's still ultimately a 17-year-old, and that youthful spirit would finally win out. So he starts out distant, but gradually becomes more open as the story goes on. But they wanted to balance that out with these Laguna sections, these sequences with Laguna. 
and I think it actually does a really good job. It I gives you it a does break. Too. Once you from realize Swalt, what's going on, yeah. and and, and it, they're all very charming. These little mm -hmm. storylines with Laguna. It's some of my favorite parts of the game, or when his come around. When he throws those two guys off the cliff, and then he goes, "Wow, you guys got cuts. I would never." <laughs> that was that was my favorite. I was laughing so hard. He he picks we'll them up and literally throws them off the cliff. Both of them. And then he looks over. Dang, you guys got guts. Do you see how high this cliff is? You see how high. They, they're wounded, so they couldn't do anything. <laughs> he just threw them off. Oh, it's so good. And I, he, I like, will say this. He slowly like, slips off the cliff because he can't do it. I know? will say this about Yoshinori Kitase. Mm -hmm. I've, I have criticized the man to, to high hell and back or right. whatever yeah. the saying is. I do not like a lot of his storytelling mm -hmm. sensibilities, but he is great with humor. This yeah. is one thing that he... That he added to Final Fantasy's identity that really? Sakaguchi yeah. was not really very strong okay, before. Okay, sure, that makes sense. Because if you look back to Final Fantasy IV and the games before that, and before they that. didn't have tons of humor. Like hardly at all. Yeah. They were pretty straightforward. Now, yeah. on, on the NES games, there's just a limitation on text generally, yeah, so there's not a lot that you can do. Much. But I think five was where with they Final really Fantasy V, which silly. is where Kitase yeah. entered. There you go. His first time yeah. being a scenario writer. Mm. This is when they started to incorporate mm. this really nice sense of humor. Yeah. I think that he's very good at that. And this game is really great with it, yes, in my absolutely. opinion. It's just, it's really funny. It's genuinely a very funny <clears throat> I like his, instead of putting some of these qualities onto Squall and having him be funny sometimes, yeah. they just separate it up, but in a way that you just, and you never know when it's going to happen. All of a sudden, you're just, you're playing as Laguna now. And you just, because Squall passed out. <laughs> And it, you you get to have the humor kind of pace throughout the game without having to compromise Squall's character that much for like who he is. Mm. And and anyways, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. So the parts with Laguna are funny. So this girl talks to him, and you, I thought something was going to happen. Nothing happened oh, because he falls asleep. Let's real quickly talk story. about the text boxes we were talking about. Whether it's whose thoughts. Who, oh, who yes. are we reading here? Every now and then, there's. Yeah, and it's Squall, and I think it's like a darker shade of gray or something. Yeah, when so it's they, Squall. they use a couple. This is a very complex thing to try to pull off when you have yes. no voice acting. Well, because you're reading Laguna's thoughts. <laughs> yes. So Laguna talks, then Laguna thinks, then Squall thinks. And and even That's Selfie rough. and Zell. Yes, they're are, are adding too. commentary and you can tell too. When it's them. That yeah, because well I think Selfie is the one who says, "Ooh, I think Laguna's kind of yeah, cute. he's kind of cute. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, Squall didn't say that. Right. And so like, it's kind of a complex scene. You have the thoughts of three characters who are not there. Yeah. You have the thoughts of Laguna, and then you have the text of Laguna, and the way that they separate that. I thought yeah. it worked. So essentially they use it worked after opaque text boxes yeah. uh, versus um, transparent text boxes. Yes, so that's yes. one tactic. And then they use um, white text. And then like or gray. Or white text inside of parentheses. Yes, that's Laguna thinking. Or gray text. And gray text, if they're going that way, that's right. when you know it's That's not. when you know it's Squall it's or Zell outside. or yeah. Selfie commenting on the dream mm. that they're watching. But I think that it's pretty effective. I, I, I mean, I could see, like, oh, what's going on here? But, like, because, I don't know, I don't really have, there's not like a reference to anything else where they do that. Like, I can't think of a book where they separate a person's thoughts <laughs> it's, it's like, from their... It's like Inception. Usually... Every in, layer deep you go into... Yeah. Who's, it's like it gets Usually more, more in difficult. books, they'll... they'll Italicize yeah, so thoughts, italicize things, and yeah. then put quotations when they're speaking. Or dialogue. and and e yeah, and easy enough. You just say he thought, he said, or yeah. you know, 
it's it's a little and, and you can yeah you can do the tags to insert to yeah. clarify who's talking but italics is common yeah but in in here they're using parentheses so anytime yeah. it's in parentheses it's a person's I thought if they couldn't oh you know what Japanese and italics are not friends mm. that would be why it, that's probably Japanese italics I can't even think of how you would do kanji in italics that would ruin <laughs> the whole language so I think that they didn't do italics in Japanese I guess they could have when they when they translated it to English but um, they probably, what, do you think the character count would have been similar? And so I don't, they had to I don't fit know. into the same boxes? I know the NES was like that. You that, had to fit the same It was a huge problem. Characters. Ted Woolsey talks about this in one of his interviews. Yeah. The, a huge problem with translations was that the English text was so much, so many more characters and so much longer yeah. than the Japanese. A word in Japanese it, can it be two. fit. In English, it's like and five. And so they yeah. would make, like he wrote an entire Final Fantasy VI translation uh. that he, he had to can the entire thing. And start oh, over from scratch. Because he read it before. Because the, he wrote he, it before they programmed he it. He thought he was being really. Yeah. Um, he thought he was being really like brief. Yeah. And, and he's, he thought he did a good job at being succinct. Yeah. But it was still basically twice as much dialogue yes. as he was allowed and to that write. Makes sense. And yeah. so he had to start over again from scratch and do the whole thing again. And so it's just really hard to judge these translators when they were doing this in a month's time and trying to translate like thousands of pages of text. Yeah. And they Seriously. they would do the whole project and then realize oh I'm double over See, my that's limit. unfortunate because you want to be able to translate it and then and then code it into yeah. the 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 text but if you it's almost like you have to do it simultaneously mm -hmm. like however long this was the you know. You have to fit this into that same box, which means you have to be in the code to see where your limits are. Basically, yeah. that uh, that sucks because it that ruins workflow. That would take a lot longer. Especially in do these it that games way. where there's no voice acting, it's just text, and the text yeah. has to be really abbreviated to fit. So I would say that that might have something to do with why they didn't do other italic things. But either way, what they ended up doing worked. But I do after really a while. It just took a few text boxes for me to realize. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize what, what was this going is. on. But from that point on, it was fine. Yeah. And uh, Kazushika Nojima also talks about the reasons why he kind of wanted to do this, where mm -hmm. he wanted to do more of like showing you what the character's thinking. This isn't this wasn't something they had done before in Final no, Fantasy. I don't, not to my you didn't they really have said characters. Show, yeah, what they were thinking. They did not show yeah. what they said in their mind. I was, think you had to do that with Squall though, because he's such a closed exactly, off character. You, exactly you don't want right. a silent protagonist for Final Fantasy. It, it was one thing that he felt that he had received criticism about yeah. with Final Fantasy VII mm. was that, you know, he, he didn't feel like people understood Cloud sure, well enough. Fair enough yeah. And he was like, well, one way that I f feel like I can address that is to get you into Here's Squall's thoughts. thoughts so that you can know what he's thinking mm -hmm. and not just what he says. And maybe that will clarify a little bit and, and make it a little easier. But <coughs> yeah. he, he says here, um, uh, Final Fantasy VII was a huge success outside of Japan. So right from the, the start with Final Fantasy VIII's development, one of our main objectives was making something that would be popular overseas. We didn't have this in mind at all when making FF7, so I changed my way of writing. For example, in Japanese, you can make a character speak without revealing their gender. Uh, you can use that yeah. and make a, yeah. make a reveal later about uh, how that character was actually a woman. This isn't pos possible in English, as the translation will always either be he or she. Another Unless example, <laughs> yeah, another example would they, be jokes. Uh, until then, I only thought about Japanese players, so puns were not a problem. But mm -hmm. I heard the translators had a lot of trouble with that when they were translating Final Fantasy VII. So we tried our best to write FF8 scenario in a way that would be easier to translate. Hmm. So that I think leads to why I feel like FF8 
was the first game that read in English much oh, okay. more smoothly. They actually made a point to that. Okay, nice. Um, but he also said something here about the uh, the text boxes and the thoughts, and I thought I had pulled it up. Oh, this is where he says at first the Lagunas part was much bigger. They were making about half of FF8, uh, basically Laguna-centric. But that's development went on, they got shorter and shorter. The staff worked really hard to make a map for Lagunas parts, but in the end it's barely used in the final game. I felt bad about that and couldn't apologize enough to the staff. Um, uh, anyways, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, we're, we're, we've been going for quite a while now. But anyways, this was one of the things he wanted to do, was get into the character's head yeah. with their thoughts. So I, I think to, it's effective. This, this particular game wouldn't work unless you were in the character's heads. Absolutely. So that makes perfect sense. <clears throat> so Laguna's with Julie. He passes out. They, they don't, nothing happens like romantically. Yeah. She just thinks that he's like cute. And he just makes a fool of himself over and over and over. So he wakes up and you find out maybe a little later why she kind of wanted to talk to him. But that's probably not till disc two. So um, at, the, for, at the moment she just says things like, hey, you know, you, you were always smiling when I played piano. And I, I don't always want to just play piano. I want to sing too. And you help me kind of, you're, you're a source of inspiration for me because you're always there and you're always smiling at me. And so it's like, okay, cool. So she's going to be a singer now. And we'll find out more about that later, how that all goes. Mm -hmm. um, so the guys wake up and they're just like, what in the world was that? But every time this happens twice in disc one where they fall into the Laguna thing, each time they're like, eh, there's no time to think about it now. Let's just keep going. And how, can, how could <laughs> Isn't you? Isn't that interesting? How could you explain it? I don't know like, how to explain it, but I wouldn't be able to help myself from talking about, about it. Thinking about what on earth was yeah, that? Yeah, being like, no, no. And everyone's just like, oh, hey, we'll deal with that later. I'll be like, no, what just happened, you guys? Like, <laughs> this is insane. Wait, did you really see what I saw? Like, it would be this thing. But... Yeah. The idea being they all had the same dream together. They were all seeing the exact same thing. And so they find out later, like, wait, there was a Laguna in your dream too? Oh, yeah, and then there were these other people. And so now so we've come... So it's crazy, but they don't know why it happened. They don't know anything. Yeah, so now we've had the fourth and the fifth mystery, mystery setups, which yeah. is GF and uh, memory loss, potentially. Right. And what on earth are these dream sequences? Yeah, what's going on here? Why were we all sharing yeah. this dream? and seeing this Laguna guy, and why is it important? Why are we seeing him more than once? Mm -hmm. Why does this keep happening? So they think someone's gassed their room. They think, they come up with a few theories, but ultimately yeah. they decide, let's just not talk about it, let's leave. Mm -hmm. Which, to me, is weird, but I get why they did it, because you, they really weren't, they weren't gonna get anywhere, <laughs> even if they did talk about it. So yeah. it's like, fine, that's weird, but, but I get it, we'll, we'll, we'll go with it. So they hit up Timber, and they meet with the Resistance, and it turns out Renoa is, from Timber, and yep. she's part of the resistance. And they're like, oh wow, good to meet you here. Um, and so she, uh, they call her princess. She's the princess. Yeah, she's the princess. You don't know why though, but she's the princess. Okay, whatever, you don't really question it at first. And they're trying to kidnap the president. That's their whole President thing. of uh, Galbadia, yeah. yeah. Now this is where we get to, I, we, we were talking a for a minute before the podcast about how disc one contains, well this particular section we just played contains my favorite parts of the game, which are things like with Laguna and yep. all that, and my absolute least favorite parts of Final Fantasy VIII. And we're not talking favorite, like this, don't like this, because that's not what this podcast is about. But I do have to point out that um, these characters are very immature. Yeah, like incredibly immature to a to a degree that you never saw in in these Final Fantasy games before, uh, and it makes it kind of difficult for me because they're like kidnapping the president <laughs> of the country, and they're like, 
We just we literally just came up with this plan like right now. You guys just barely got here. Here's the plan. Okay, let's go. We're doing it right now. Like literally right We're now. We're turning All around. Right, let's go kidnap right the president. Now. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, "Whoa, guys, this a plan like this takes months, years." To you execute. don't. You don't. Just, it's a very elaborate, and it is heist. an elaborate plan because they got all these codes. They got. They're. They're gonna like unlink a train and then relink and then link the train back up. It's crazy, right? Yeah. And then they built a literal replica of the president's train and a robot that like acts like the president. It's wild that they did all this. But as soon as Seed gets it, here, it's, it's like we're in a rush. Let's go right now. There's. You know? There's a very. Very interesting contrast, and and it's something that I need to think more about. about exactly how yeah. intentional it is or not. Yes, but v- between the unbelievable emotional maturity mm. of these characters, it's yeah, and the high level of competence, yeah, to accomplish <laughs> exactly. the missions that they do. Because these forest owls, the way they act. Yeah. The way they plop on the floor. Squall yeah. comments on they this. They just squat down. You just squat down on the floor. Which is another like, right Japanese there. thing, by how, the way. How do you think we feel working for this kind of organization? Yeah, he's like, you guys, like, our lives are in your hands, and you're yeah. just like, You think hey, this is a game. Let's do the, like, let's try this. Yeah. yeah, so he's commenting on how yeah. completely naive and, and just like <laughs> yeah. emotionally immature they and are. And I can't agree with him more. <laughs> but the plan... The, that they pull it, off it is, was takes pretty, unbelievable yeah. competence to pull off. Yeah, and you have like a f- small window, like a five-minute window yeah. to like perform this whole thing. So they're very yeah. capable, and, and especially the seed members, trained yeah. to do yeah. highly difficult, <laughs> and sophisticated, sophisticated yeah. missions. Yeah. But they are 17-year-olds and they kids. act like and, it. And you have to keep reminding yourself, these are kids. These are yeah. these are teenagers. These are not adults. Because it's so easy when you're playing the game, you're fighting monsters, you're using guns and swords and you're killing things, to, to kind of forget that these are young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's because we don't have that in our world. Like what we mentioned earlier, yeah. selfie yeah. being a special <laughs> It just doesn't make, I'm not convinced by that at all. She's a Sorry. freaking Green Beret, apparently. She right? should have been no. some person in Timber who's uh, maybe a, a member of a resistance or something. Exactly. But some skills, but not like this not, elite. Not an elite trained <laughs> Navy member of Seed who passed. She just doesn't yeah, make It, just it doesn't, doesn't make work. Sense to but me. just it's a different world, whatever. These are just kids, but you like to your point, they have the skills. They do have the skills. You can't deny that. That's why it's so easy to look at them as not just being kids. But they are just kids, and it's moments like these that remind you. These are yeah. just kids. They squat down on the floor. They have the little model trains. I love how they all took turns making, <laughs> making fun, fun of her, of her <laughs> crappy model trains. And there's, there's actually, they actually pile on a bit more after that because you can yeah. go to the hotel in Timber, and there's a model train inside of there, and there's a girl oh, looking nice. at it, and you go talk to her, and she's like, oh, this model train is very sophisticated. It's very cool looking. <laughs> and, and you get a... What you get a, an option, a dialogue box option, and he he, you can choose to say it's a lot better than Renoa's. <laughs> <laughs> I love and that. And then she's like, "Oh, you're so mean," and he's like, oh, "I'm just kidding." She's like, "Yeah, but every time you're kidding, it's like a half truth." And so, like, mm, they just enough, they yeah. pile on <laughs> selfie, Zell, squall, just a, how ugly this car yeah. is that she made. And, and you know what's funny? Because <laughs> you read Squall's thoughts. Too. Yeah, and so he's not even saying half of what he's thinking. Yeah, but like, um, is it Zell or Zone or somebody is, brings up like, wow, that's a really bad model car and Squall. He doesn't say anything. He's just thinking. Goes, yeah, yeah, they have a point. It's <laughs> pretty, pretty bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> I 
love it, man. I just love it. It's so funny. But Renoa, and it's, it's, it speaks to her character that like, yeah, she'd rather they don't do this, but it's not yeah. the end of the world that they're making fun of her. Yeah. If Squall was receiving that type of criticism based on something he really did try hard to do, mm-hmm. he just didn't do it very well, um, it would break him. <laughs> because yeah. he, he would like, I can't take this. Like, I'm leaving. I hate you all. Like, bye. Yeah. Bye forever. <laughs> yeah. And But Renoa, she gets the criticism. You know, she it doesn't make her feel great, but she's okay with it because... She's like, oh, she tries to play it off like she did intentionally. Yeah, it represents like, my hate because I hate the president. The yeah. president. And, and they're like, yeah, you must okay. really hate the president. <laughs> <laughs> that line from Suffy, man, you must really hate him because that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and you know what's funny? Because I don't know, how does it look in the remastered version? Can you tell that it's ugly or not? Because you can't tell. I It PS1. just it looks the same as all the other cards. Okay, yeah, me so. too. So the PS1, I'm looking at it and it's all pixelated and I'm like, it's the red one I guess they're talking about, but I don't, I don't. Yeah, fine. As far as I can tell, it looks yeah. like all the other. Cards. It looks all the same. It looks the same as the other ones. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So they end up kidnapping the president, and it turns out that, that was train not sequence, that train president. heist, is really exciting. By the way, uh, like yeah. it's a very fun With little the, sequence to the play. Codes. Entering yeah, yeah. the codes, and the trying guys to go up and down before the they come and see you. And yeah. uh, the the pre-rendered backgrounds are really beautiful. They're actually really well done. Really yeah. like give this sense of speed. Mm-hmm. You're running across. It, it's a really cool sequence. Yeah. It, it's a very exciting action sequence. I like it a lot. And the uh, once once you get in and you know you get everything fixed right, the president turns out to be a uh, what's the word? He's a monster. Uh, he's a, like a, yeah, he's not the president, but he's a double. He's a body like a double, body double, right? but yeah. he's like actually a zombie, but not really a human. Yeah, and you can kind of tell because the way he's talking, there's something weird with him. Yeah. It's like he's, different letters are capitalized, and he's like not sounding right. Right, yeah. so you know that like this is something's off. So it's not the president because they seeded out all this false info and of course the timber resistance types all kind of fell for it. They took the bait. Yep, and they did this dumb thing and then Squall even brings it up later. He's like, you guys, like this is so hastily put together. You guys aren't like doing this right. Like you're completely screwing this up and you're involving us and we're all gonna die because of you. Everybody doesn't say it in so many words, but that's basically the gist he's getting at. And um I feel that way too, and this is when I mentioned this is my favorite parts of the game and my least favorite parts because that's the reason why I started to really not like Final Fantasy VIII the first time I played it was because of how these characters were acting. They were doing these huge things, um, but they were just like it was like when I was ten and I yeah. was playing a game and like, hey, we're gonna go spy on the neighbors or I don't know, but it's no, just something. It was, dumb. it was like the uh, the spy plots we came up with for with the movies we made. Oh, with the right? movies we made, yeah, the with spy um, plots that trim, we trim. we made for our Mission Impossible and James Bond yeah. movies that we made as like uh, as like twelve we're and fifteen. We're gonna. The only safe place on the earth was Hawaii. <laughs> With the all nukes, the nukes. The nukes would destroy the whole planet. <laughs> but he's going to go to Hawaii and like chill in Hawaii. That was like the entire plan of the villain. Of the, the whole movie. plan. <laughs> uh, I'm going to nuke the whole planet. Hawaii's the only place left. I'm just going to chill on the beach and like retire in Hawaii. <laughs> so, wait, why? Okay. Uh, anyways, it so has that feel to it. It has that feel to it. It has yeah. the feel that not only are these kids, but the story was written by adults. It feels like the story was written by kids as well. Yeah. And that's maybe... a. It's a bit of a criticism that I still kind of hold to a little bit because there's something weird going on here that these kids are doing all this stuff. Uh, But, you know, I'm over it. Like, it's fine. I get it. It is what it is. And, you know, the game is still a great game. But that is something, every time I see it, I'm just like, and it just keeps getting worse because their plans, like, kind of get ruined. Like, oh, no, this thing happened. Okay, 
Hold on, let's talk for a minute, and then they'll squat and talk amongst you. Okay, now we're gonna hijack the telecoms tower with the radio message, and we're gonna, and it's like, okay, did you just come up with this? Declare independence on yeah. TV. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool, guys, <laughs> if the first broadcast was us? And it's like, okay, yeah, every kid thinks that, but what are you doing? Like, yeah. and then their plan somehow, like, technically, kind of works, and it's like, well, it's they, just yeah, weird. They, like, I know it didn't work the way they wanted Well, they're going to go in there, and then and then he's he's so critical of her, right? To Renault. Yes. He's so blunt. And, she, like, and she's like, fine, runs away we'll cancel this plan, yes. and we'll get back to you later. Uh, but but well, we forgot to mention this. Sid, essentially, in the contract, like, <laughs> turned them into... Free reign in, turned, turned them into slaves yes. of Renault's Literally group until Timber until gets his independence. It's like, oh my gosh, this is... It's like, what is Sid doing? Again, I think this is something that we need to pay attention to as how is this going to get paid off yes. later? Because Final Sid Fantasy knows 8, what he's doing. Final Fantasy VIII is very hit or miss on yeah. its payoffs of these mysteries it's setting up. <laughs> so just pay attention to it. Sid has, obviously, he's he's has some level of... There's something going on between him and the garden faculty. Yeah. They're op- opposed in some way. Yeah. And he's doing stuff that they don't approve of. Mm-hmm. He's trying to do things that they're trying to stop him from doing. Yep. And one of those things apparently was turning Squall and company into slaves of Renault for a while. <laughs> so this whole company... Why did he do this? <laughs> It's to like pay the, attention. These the brand new recruits, and it's like, hey, we're sending them away for literally forever. Because who knows when Timber is going to get their independence? You know, yeah. It couldn't. It has. It's, it's been however many years up all, up to this point already. Yeah. So, anyways, the president's not really the president. That whole thing kind of just goes bust. They they regroup. They decide, let's do another plan. Okay, let's figure out. Oh, the telecoms tower. Okay, they just talk to people in town, and yeah. oh, there's military activity over here. Okay, so they start moving over that way. And the telecoms tower is interesting because in Dalit, that was all they really cared about. When they invaded and did all their things there, they just wanted the telecoms, or the telecommunication tower. And then in Timber, they've got this big, you know, like studio telecoms tower thing that they're looking they for. They haven't used in. That hasn't been used in forever. Long time. And yeah. there's like screens on it and they just display nothing but static. Again, because, because of the, the worldwide radio interference, yeah. they can't do any broadcasting over the and air. And I think that's part of the reason why mm. the president has to be in Timber. He couldn't remotely broadcast. Yeah. They had to fix this one thing and then he had to do it right then. Yeah, they had, they had to fix the, t- the tower and doll it. Which would allow them in Timber to use the, radio, the, the t- television station yes. to broadcast this message. And it was funny when the broadcast starts because the the guy in the beginning he's just like, "Are we live? Really? It worked? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right now? Oh, hey guys. Uh, yeah. So we're here. This is the first broadcast in 17 years. And it's yeah. funny because it's like there's a little bit of a he's kind of ad libbing there, and then the president comes on. Um, but yeah, they plan this whole mission, and there's some fun. Um, that guy who's like drunk and he's at the door and he's like all mad at oh, right. the timber resistance because they ruined his day. Yeah. <laughs> Again, he lost his card. <laughs> he gave him the card and he's and like... And so okay, you give him the card and he's like, oh, you can keep it. Here's another card. <laughs> 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 it's like, wait, you were upset about this. Like, what's going on? And he's like really happy that you found his card. Yeah. So happy that he just gives it to you and, and more beyond that. So that's just kind of silly. But, you know, I kind of forgive that. You see a lot of that kind of stuff in timber. Um, and especially with the kid who he wants to charge you when you go up to his room and he wants to yeah, charge you Yeah, that was funny money. too. And, the, and then <laughs> mom comes in and freaking spanks him. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> Once again, different you know, time, different is, time. Well, and different country. <laughs> hitting is a little more common in the East Asian yeah. countries. Um, but uh, it's funny. It's like how often do people go up to this kid's room to look yeah, out the window? Yeah, to look at the window. What's I think it's common actually. <laughs> so anyways, they, they make it to the comms tower and they're going up 
And um, there's like this announcement. They're like, what's, what's, you know, they don't really know what the point is of this whole broadcast, but there's going to be a broadcast. And so that's when this falling out happens. That's when Renoa gets really upset and uh, Squall really kind of lays into her. But to, to Squall's credit, she, he didn't say any of this up front. She yeah. kind of forced it out she, of him. She She's like, say what you're thinking. For it. And he's like, I don't want to tell you what I'm thinking. She's like, fine, I'll give you an order that you're contractually obligated to follow. What are you thinking? Yeah. I order you. And so he tells her, and she gets all mad because it's not well, nice. And, and then again, yeah, it's not nice, again, but but Squall is not wrong. Like, No, at no point is he wrong. And it's the thoughts that I have of yeah. like, are you guys joking? You're just going to kidnap the president? Like, this yeah. is stupid. Yeah. And so it, it's actually kind of validating and nice to have a character that thinks that way as well yeah. because that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, it almost made me want to stop playing the game yeah. the first time because I was like, this game is stupid. But then Squall is like, hey, you guys are being stupid. Is this a game? And it's like, okay, Squall gets it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, again, this is just kind of part of his personality. Some people get so, I, I don't know, like, offset by how he speaks yeah. Like, it, it's it's like, but you pay attention to what he's saying. There's nothing about what he's saying that's wrong. He is 100% right. <laughs> is but at the same time, totally he's like, right. hey, we have a job to do and we'll do it. Yeah. So you want us to go in there and, and fight a whole army for you and die? Whatever. Like, it's my job. I have to do it. Yeah. Like, this is what I do. I'll risk my life for it. But I don't like it. Like, this is stupid. Mm. So. And then uh, Cypher. Interrupts oh, the yeah, interrupts that's the, freaking uh, crazy. And then Christus as well. There. So all and I just that just comes out of the blue. Even playing it the second time, I forgot yeah. that that's how that happened. Yep. And I'm like, all of a sudden, and I'm like, oh yeah, wait, what? That's crazy because they're like, we can't just go in there. There's too many guards. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Cypher's there. So I guess he killed all the guards, right? <laughs> because he's yep. a beast. Or something. Quistus is there too, so they kind of work together. But Quistus is like chasing him. She's trying to stop at, him. At yeah. first, it's like, oh, they got a different order from a different resistance to do the same thing we're doing. But it's like, no, no, Quistus the whole time has been following him here, telling him, come back, stop, don't do this. Yeah. But he is doing this because he knows Renoa personally. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that gets revealed here. Renoa, and that, I don't think this is a spoiler, I think we, we find that out in this one. She dated him for a while. Yeah. There's something like in that. The, in the last summer. Yeah. She Because she, Selfie before. asks, was, was he your boyfriend? Yeah. And she's like, well, I don't really know. Like, obviously, they had, they shared something. So it was but, complicated, but yeah, something happened, right? But, you know, it doesn't really say what it is, but she likes him. Clearly. She likes him a lot, yeah. And um, and he likes her a lot and because he's willing to do crazy he, stuff for well, her. Well, yeah, and this is another element. This playthrough has really revealed to me how well I feel Cypher is handled, handled as a character in a way that I hadn't really yeah. noticed in previous playthroughs. Like... And, and Quistus talks about this after the sequence ends and you go back to the house and you're hiding oh, out for a bit. Yeah, she yeah, says, yeah. you know, uh, when he heard that the three of you had been sent by uh, yourselves to do this, he got pissed. Right. He was like, there's no way Only that they can... Only three brand new yeah. freshman members of Seed? Yeah. He's like, that's that's not going to cut So, it. like, he was concerned right. about them and he mm-hmm. was concerned about Renoa. And so he came, His he didn't yeah. think about it. He just right. acted on his emotion. He's yeah. like, I'm abandoning Seed. Yeah. I'm running over there and I'm, I'm going to help him. Right, yeah. and so, and he essentially succeeds in doing so. He does what they possibly couldn't do themselves. They weren't yeah. going to go in there because they were like, "There's too many guards." But the problem is, is that now he's in in acting so irrationally mm-hmm. without thinking through the plan. Right, even though he was successful in what he set out to do, he backs himself into a corner where he has there's no answer to. This I know, and he's because, he's holding the president hostage. Yeah, and it's like, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? And. Uh, Seed is going to disavow everything you've done. Yeah. Right. So, so you're seed's, on your own. You're, you're, yeah. Seed, you're, you have no more ties with Seed yeah. now. You're, you're done with Seed. 
They're not going to help you with this. And uh, Zell, being the dummy that he is, I know, uh, just kind of like uh, speaks out of turn and reveals that they are says, seed members. Yeah. And so yeah. President Dunn's like, okay, anything happens to me, Balam, we're going to retaliate on Balam yeah. Garden. Missiles, everything. And, yeah. and you guys are toast. And, and, and Cypher's just like, nice job. Chicken wuss, right? Chicken like, wuss. <laughs> which the is best his, insult which ever. is his like, yes, his uh, <laughs> insult for Zell, right? I love it. <laughs> it's like nice going. Not only did you uh, essentially like ruin it for mm. for Balam Garden or for me, right? But right. also for everybody else at Garden. And like nice work. He, and he's really worried too, Zell, as they go on throughout. He's like, man, if something happens to Garden, like it's all my fault. Yeah, but but I, what I love is that like Cipher essentially has no choice here. Like mm. he has nowhere to go. He, yeah. If if Galbadia catches him, they'll execute him. Yeah. If if Garden catches him, they're not going to help him. Yeah. Like and, he and has he's nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah. And so when Idea, when the sorceress shows up mm-hmm. and essentially offers him to be um, her knight, mm-hmm. what else is he going to do? Now there's also more to this. We're going to talk more about Cipher and his romantic dream. Right. This is something again mm. that's not like really evident in the main plot. You kind of have to search for this. Okay. But he has this romantic dream of being a sorceress's knight hmm. that comes from a film that he watched, which we will talk about okay. in a later episode. <laughs> yeah. I think you know what I'm, where I'm going with uh-huh. this. Uh, there's a movie that he saw where he yes. got this, again, a little bit of emotional immaturity on his part. Yes. This it's dream of being a, a yeah. knight. The being a sorceress is like, knight. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool? Yeah. And so it's like at this moment where he has nowhere else to go, a sorceress happens to pop up and offer him the yeah. dream job he's always had. <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah, I'm going to do that. Right. So, like, yeah. what else is he going to do? And sorceress, I don't know if sorceress is necessarily the right word. I wonder what it is in, in Japanese. It's like, I probably wouldn't know it because it's one of those weird words. I probably never encountered it before. Yeah. But... <clears throat> like the way we would hear it is, oh, if there's a sorceress, it's bad. It's a bad person. Like yeah. guaranteed every time, no matter what. Sorcerer, sorceress, bad. But um, the way that they talk about it, like, oh, the sorceress is going to be the new peace emissary for the government. Oh, the sorceress, everyone knows that there's a sorceress. And yeah. it's like it's, it references her power to, to use sorcery, but it doesn't reference the way e- the English language does. It doesn't seem to imply that she is automatically evil just yeah. immediately. Now, she, it's almost like a, very a title well, or a role. Exactly. Like, like a king or a, or a queen or it's yep. like a sorceress. She's the sorceress. I don't know is what like, another yeah. English word would be. But you know, mm. unlike Harry Potter, how J.K. Rowling was able to turn the word witch into like not a bad thing. Yeah. But that's like wizard can mean good or bad, but witch always kind of just meant bad. Yeah. Until Harry Potter showed up, and it's like okay, but she had an upward hill battle there, but she was able to put a new meaning to that word in, to where yeah. witch doesn't mean such a bad thing anymore. But sorceress, I feel like there might have been a different word they could have used there because, um, yeah, especially because of how what ends up happening with Cipher. It's like it's not immediately evident that this is the absolute worst person in the world. Right? Yeah, she's here. like a villain. Yeah. There's kind of some creepy music playing, but yeah. Yeah, I, I see the music. Doing. And we know she's bad. It just yeah. seems like she's going to be bad. But, you know, Cypher's there, and you're, you're right. I think you explained his predicament really well. So he lets the president go, and he goes with Idea. And I also felt, as that was happening, this is a very important scene, very pivotal for the whole story, um, that there was some element of, like, like coercion that she was influencing or that she was using to get him to join her yeah. that he wasn't necessarily... 
Like, I feel like there was some brainwashy kind of something or other that was happening in that moment, too. I could see that. He almost seemed zombie-like when he, like, lets go of the president and walks towards her, you know? Well, considering she clearly has the power to manipulate people's minds, as yes. we see with Renoa a little later, that's not out of the question by any means, so. Yeah. <clears throat> so, that whole plan just completely gets screwed up, but luckily... Uh, Garden disavows Cipher, and the government is yeah, like, Galbadia hey, doesn't, not gonna... doesn't uh, retaliate. Yep. You find this out a little later, but yeah. But, as we're talking with Quistus, which is where we learned that Renoa and him had a fling at some point together, Renoa and Cipher, um, is that he had been sentenced and um, they didn't say executed, they said a different word. He had been sentenced well, oh, and processed or something. They basically yeah. imply that he's been executed. Okay, executed. Uh, so they went to... <clears throat> Galbadia Garden, which is oh, where they right. learn all the this. closest. Garden. So from Timber, they go to they, they they essentially that's part of like their I don't know what you call it protocol in yeah. this situation go is to, to go to the nearest garden from yeah, there. Yeah, so they're all connected. So, so they go Even, to they go to Galbadia. They garden. operate differently. They seem to have some type of autonomy one from each other. Yeah. The gardens, but they are still connected in, at some level. Yeah. they're connected to each mm-hmm. other. And oh yeah. man, this this uh, is, is something that just they do really well across Final Fantasy VIII, but that introduction to Galbadia Garden, that camera move that swings down and it, yes, it's an FMB sequence. Like, uh, not spaceships, but yeah, there's like, like dudes like flying rocket, in the middle. Rocket pack dudes. Yeah, like flying around. Yeah. And then and the, the camera pulls in right into you, just running straight into the garden. The, yeah, the seamless transition between FMV into gameplay, yeah, they do this well like done. four or five times in really impressive yeah. ways. And they did similar things in Final Fantasy VII a couple of times, mm. but here they just perfected the Way whole better. technique. Yeah. It's just really, really yeah, awesome. The cinematography's better. Everything's just just looks and blends and feels better. In yeah. these it, it just makes those moments <clears throat> yeah. feel really cinematic while you're still able to essentially participate, like play, yep. move the character in these crazy shots. Mm-hmm. Um, it really shows uh, Kitase's flair because he wanted to be a film director, right? Oh, there you go. Final Fantasy previous to seven had always been very um, operatic or, or uh, thematic in, in, in more like theater mm-hmm. in, in its presentation, right? And that was mostly sure. off the back of T- Takashi Tokita's influence. Okay. He had wanted to be an actor. He had been in, in, in theater. He's okay. a theater major. Sure. Um, but when Kitase stepped in, he wanted to be a filmmaker. And so, right. anyways, the cinematography is it's freaking fantastic, very and I love good. those shots where they, it's it, you think it's FMV, and then th- th- there's another one with the float during the parade later on, where you and yes. uh, Irvine are kind of running through this parade, mm-hmm. and everything around is an moving. FMV, and yeah. you're like running through it, and the shots moving at the same time. It's just really dynamic. It's very very cool. Yeah, very well done. So on the technical level, they Final Fantasy VIII is like just top level for the PS1's oh, ability. Amazing. So so good. So they go to Galbadia Garden. They're kind of waiting there in the room uh, while uh, Quistus, who knows the headmaster of Galvani yeah, Garden, so she just explains shows the situation. Yeah. And then she comes in to inform us about what happened to uh, Cypher. Whether Balam Garden is in trouble, what happened yeah. to Cypher, and she basically lays on the news Cypher has been fetching executed. Yeah, he's, he's out. And that's a big blow to everybody, even the it people who didn't like it. actually is even Zell. Even me! Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> I actually like, liked wait. Cypher this time, yeah. and I was like, oh, nice. man. Even though I know he's not. I know. He's not. <laughs> I know. But like, and, it's yeah. like, oh, man, like Cypher. No way. Forever? Yeah. He's gone? That kind of sucks. So, and yeah. Zell even, especially as this is the moment that we learned that Renoa thinks very highly of Cypher. 
And she even mentions him several times, I, I think even before this. She'll be like, oh, do you know Cypher? And Squall's always like, yeah, I know Cypher. Like, he's just rolling his eyes like, yeah, that's just, let's not talk about him. Uh, but at this moment where she's like, I really liked him. There's more to him than you guys realize, mm-hmm. you know. And she doesn't say that out loud, but that's kind of the message that you get. Yeah. There's more to Cypher than we, than we understand so far. And even Zell is like, man... I really didn't like the guy. No, I really like I really like kind of the lead up to this too with Zell because after Zell blurts out that they're from Balam Garden, yeah, he every time you approach him, he is silent. He's yeah. really beating up on himself because he's right. deathly afraid that he's essentially yeah led to the downfall of Balam Garden. And they're all going to get dis- they're all going to get attacked by Golbatian. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to die. He's really yeah. scared about that. And okay, so uh, so. In, in the house when you're hiding out, he's totally quiet. You get on the train after that, he's totally quiet. And then you're going through the forest mm. leading up to Galbadia Garden, which is where the second Laguna dream happens. Yes. And he comes at Squall. Oh, that's like, right. We he's, like, he's, like, he's like, hey, yeah. you know, like, do you think they're really going to do it? Do you think yeah. they're really going to yeah. attack Balam? And he's like, hey, man, maybe. I don't know. See, and, the, <laughs> and he's okay, just not this supportive. This is important. Because <laughs> what I talked about before about Squall's leadership, leadership abilities, yeah. this is where Renoa calls him out. Yeah. And where he, she's just like, you are not like one of the things a leader does is is hold the moral the morality what's the word the build the morale of the build team. the morale that's the word yeah. to keep the morale high and he's he always volunteers to be the leader i'm the leader he's always assigned to be the leader he thinks of himself as a leader mm-hmm. yet at the same time he doesn't care enough about... He has no skill in this department. This, Which is a huge department. Yeah, you need Like, it. if your uh, battle unit or whatever, platoon, doesn't have high, high morale, you're losing the battle. It's, yeah. it's You've lost it before it's even fought because mm-hmm. your guys don't have a will to fight. And so he has a lot to learn in that department. And Renoa is very much lets him know. And she apologizes for it later, which just endears you to her a little bit more. Yeah. Where it's like, Squall will be mean, and he'll never apologize, ever. But she'll be mean, and she'll come back and say, hey, I shouldn't have said that. You know, yeah. I shouldn't have been so hard on you. Yeah. And he never does that. Yep. Because he's like, hey, I say if I said it, that means it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's true, that means it's not my problem. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. just a fact. Just and Renoa's all about feelings and all that stuff. So, you know, she helps him out there. And of course as he is being not a good leader, and everyone's asking him questions about, literally, Balam Garden, that's their home. Yeah. And he's like, well, I don't know, they said they were gonna nuke the place, then maybe they did, I don't know. Yeah. Like, maybe everyone you know is dead. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And he's just a totally non-emotional <laughs> he thinks response. nothing of it, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, leading up into that moment where Zell realizes that the, that the garden's fine, yeah. and, and then he realizes, or he's, they're told Cypher's dead, and he's like, man, you know, a uh, selfie's like, I thought you hated that guy. He's right. like, I did, but you know, he was from God. He's one of us. He's like, one of us. Yeah. If, if I can, I want to get revenge. And that's when I mentioned that Cipher's more of like, a, there's more almost like a brother kind of thing going yeah. here, where it's like, you don't like each other. There's kind of a bully, but at the same time, like he'll clap for your achievements. Yep. And he'll he may like beat up on you, but it's done in a loving way in some weird kind of, kind of brotherly like a, a way. Ribbing. Yeah, uh, maybe like a really intense ribbing. A very intense you know, ribbing that scars you, your face. When you grow up, <laughs> if you grew up with brothers, uh, yeah, you'll have what starts out as being maybe a friendly competition, and turns very quickly into a, serious a very heated, match. yeah, almost <laughs> fist fight. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of has that feel. To it me. happens, but but in the end, mm. you know, it's like, hey, we're we're still cool. The, the only difference is Cipher won't typically admit it. You know they're just not at that age where yeah. they'll admit, "Hey, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that." So they still they just fight and they never make up. You know they never mm. 
you know, get cool with each other later. And but they never got a chance to, and then, and then that's when you realize. That's, yeah, it's like, oh, oh I never, you know, I actually, I'll never see him again. I actually appreciated Cypher yeah. more than I, more than I let on, yeah. and maybe I should have acted differently. So there's an old, I think it's an Arabian proverb that says, uh, me against my brother, me and my brother against my cousins, me, yeah. my brother, my cousins against the foreigner, or yes. something like that. Yes. So it's like, I'll fight my brother until someone else shows up, and then we're, yeah. we're on the same team. Then we're on the same team. Yeah. So when they're at Garden and they're training, yeah, they hate each other. Yeah. But when they're you know going somewhere else, it's different. And you kind of see that a little bit. When Cypher decides to leave the Dalet mission, mm-hmm. uh, Squall follows him. Squall's like, like yeah, you know, let's let's do this. Yep. Let's go. Let's find where the action is. Like mm-hmm. they don't they don't always disagree. They don't always hate each other. They don't always fight each other just to fight each other. Yeah. They do have each other's back. Yeah. You know, when they're in a serious situation. So yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. Nice touch for that's sure. That's a good one. Um also the second mm-hmm. thing with Laguna, that's where they're in the cave and it's kind of a weird sequence. Yeah. It but, kind of felt like Final Fantasy it, 9. But it me. has the best part, which is where, where he, he throws, throws <laughs> Heroes, because they're they're like totally injured. You just got into yeah. a big fight, and they're Multiple like fights, they're yeah. like almost unconscious. In fact, Heroes is like, hey, it's been real, man. Like we're done, yeah. we're dying here. Basically, Ward can hardly speak. Yeah, like, or Ward, that was yeah. It's it's it, and he's like, it's been fun, guys. It's yeah. uh, it's been an honor to serve with you. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, hey, man, that's uncool. You can't say that. Yeah, don't and, say that. And then he's just like, oh, Look there's some boats. there's some boats down there <laughs> off go. this huge <laughs> cliff. He's like, all right, guys, we're going home. And he just picks them up and tosses Throws them off. And like they're hot. You know, he's like supporting yeah. him and he's like tosses him <laughs> off his cliff. And you hear them just splash, splash. in the water. And then, he, and then he looks over the edge and he's like, dang, you guys have guts. This is a, you see how high this cliff is? <laughs> you see how high that is? Funniest line My favorite. in the whole freaking game. That was game. so funny. <laughs> My favorite too is when he decides to start going down the cliff himself. It was so easy he, for him he, to throw that off. He tries to like he's gingerly to, yeah, climb and he's over. slowly stepping and then he just slips he just and falls. falls. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I love it. And awesome. then I think that's the end of the dream, right? That's the end of that dream. So yeah. they wake up. They still can't make heads or tails of these dreams. They once again say, eh, I can't figure it out. Let's just not talk about it. Mm. <laughs> Let's talk about it later. All right, fine. Helps the story to keep going, so I don't mind it. And then, yeah, so they go to the garden, and basically Sid has sent a message to this garden leader, because he assumed that that's where they'd end up, yep. uh, to say, hey... Um, Let's let's have seed like go kill the sorcerer. Yeah, assassinate the sorcerer. And the Galbadian um, leader, the Galbadian chancellor. What's the word? Galbadian headmaster. Head head. I think it's headmaster. Headmaster. Yeah, he agrees. He's like, yeah, I thought about it for a while, and I agree. Like, we're let's do this. So he gives them one more of his soldiers, which is um, I forgot his name again. Keenan. So they they explain this a little bit once you get into Delling City why Galbadia is on board with this. Yeah. They, they explain that Sorceress Idea is basically going to make her base the Galbadian Garden. The Garden, yeah. And he's like, oh, She's I want no part garden. of that. Yeah, he's like, don't, that'd be his, <laughs> I don't his want, office would be her office. <laughs> I don't want her taking over yeah. Garden. Well, and also right? once you get to the city, you meet Renoa's father, yeah, who is Carole, the general. The general Carole. Who is like, wants to do this too. He's yeah, like, I he, don't want a day does, I don't power. want the sorceress, because he's an officer of the Galbadian military. Mm-hmm. He does not want a sorceress running. Calling the shots, yeah. Yeah, running yep. the, the military, right? So, you know, uh, they, they essentially, Balam <laughs> Garden, for reasons we don't know yet. Galbadia Garden, for reasons that are explained, they don't yeah. want a, a day of running the show. And General Ca- Caraway, for reasons mm. he doesn't want to run the show in, in Galbadia. 
they all team up. They yeah. ally to try to ass assassinate the sorceress. And so we're sent to Delling City, yep. where she's going to be giving a speech. There's going to be a big parade. Delling City's fascinating, by the it's way. It's a cool city. I really like that city. Yeah. It's really cool, and you get some traffic going. The cars are yep. kind of driving around. You can get on the bus, and, and you can ride yeah, around. Yeah, the bus. The, you know what I didn't like, though, was the whole detour going to that little maze. Okay, that was the most pointless freaking thing so in the world. So pointless. Luckily, it doesn't take that long, but still. Yeah. And those guys are pretty funny, the summon that you get. Yeah. They're pretty funny. The brother's summon is a great summon. <laughs> yes. And the, the way they talk, and they think they're all that, and they're not. You yeah. Know, it's very funny. But, yeah, that was pretty worthless. But the way they worked it into, I guess, the flow of the plot felt... Very much like a, we need another dungeon. Yes. Let's yep. just... It felt that way. And, and it, it, they did not make a very convincing scenario for it. Nope. So like you get Give to the... Give me a number. You get to Caraway's mansion and there's a guard outside. And he's like, he's going to test your skills mm -hmm. to see if you're worthy to do this assassination when happening tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're the ones you know, that were if you think of this. It's, it's, oh, if you geez. put any level of thought Don't into this, about it. It, it's just the it dumbest thing in the freaking world. Yeah. And anyways, it's a completely pointless little side quest that you have to go do. You have to go like run over to the peninsula nearby to an ancient ancient ruins and like find a sword. Uh, that was left behind by a previous student with an ID number on with it, which, the is, ID, which is randomly yeah. generated, by the way. Oh, really? It's not always the every same. in every okay. game. It's, 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 I checked this mm. because I wanted to not do it and just continue <laughs> on. They forced you to do it. Well, Come I would have on. eventually gone there to get the brothers' GF. Well, of course, yeah. But, but whenever, but I didn't want at that moment. I just wanted yeah. to see: can I skip this? And it's like, no, it's not a set code. Oh, you have to funny. give to him. It's randomly, just, so you have to go there. Wow. And yeah, it's a little dungeon that's kind of like a it's little annoying. maze. It's a little maze, yeah. It's uh, it's yeah, it's very. And then pointless. you free the guy from the tomb, and he's like, "You know what sucks? Living your whole life on this wretched earth, and then being forced into a tomb after you die. As if life wasn't hard enough, I couldn't get out of the tomb." And it's, and then he leaves, and it's like, okay, that whole thing was just a joke. The it's brothers are just a joke. Really silly. They're funny. The the guy in the tomb is just funny. The whatever happened there before, everything is just completely like pointless, pointless quest. Completely pointless. But you have to do it, and then you, it's not even that long either. So you you talk to this dude, and then like within half an hour, you're already right back there at the gate. Yep. Like, come on, okay, here's the number, whatever, just let me in. Like, it's just and, so and, I don't like <laughs> it. And then they actually start explaining the plan for the assassination. Yes, and you find out Renoa's father is the general, and, which is a problem because she's yeah. all about the resistance. Anyways, Caraway is Renoa's father, and it, it goes and takes you through this little plan. Now, there are some really interesting logistical flaws with this plan that could have very easily been fixed. It's oh like, my gosh, yes. It's just like, mm -hmm. just tw tweak it very slightly and it works. But yeah. mostly, the plan is that there's this pillar structure kind of in the center of the city, right? And, and the, the float that she's on is gonna pass through this pillar. Mm. And there's like, there's like gates on either side of it. Yeah. And the plan is that they're gonna let the float like arrive inside of that, they're gonna close the gates down. So that she'll be, yeah. And they're gonna have Stuck. a sniper, by the way, I guess we missed talking about that too. Irvine, oh, yeah. Irvine is the joins new the team, yeah. party member from Galbadia Garden. Yes. And Irvin is he drops hints all over the place yeah. where he, he is acting as though there's some fate involved and that he, the fact that he's with these, this team that um, it was meant to be in some weird way. So yeah. 
So some yet. interesting little <laughs> foreshadowing or hints yes. dropped by Irvine so there for be later, him later in the game. But um, Irvine is the sniper. So what they want to do mm. is drop the gates, then he's going to shoot her and assassinate her. Yeah. If that doesn't work, then she's trapped inside of that pillar and so they can, they can just attack as a plan B. Yeah. Uh, just send a party in to just confront her face to face and kill her. So that's essentially what the plan is. Now here's the problem with it. <laughs> the blocking of the scene sets the sniper up behind the float going away from them mm -hmm. with gigantic obstructions <laughs> where Irvine would have no clear line of sight. Right. Now the way that it's edited, the continuity error in the editing is that they make it seem like he is shooting her from in front. Yes. But he's clearly positioned from behind. Mm -hmm. uh, the way that it's blocked, the way that they set him up, they basically set him up in the building where she gave the speech from. The yeah. float is going yes, away go in, from yeah. that. Yeah. It, you actually see this. It's, it, the float is going away mm -hmm. towards the pillar in the distance. There's no way he would be able to shoot her going away from him with this giant float blocking all line of yeah. sight and, and possibly an obstruction that's too um, solid to shoot through. With the gate and yeah. So, and, and also why would you drop the gate first, alerting her to the fact that yeah. something's wrong. Which and she then was surprised by the When the gate drops, she's like, what she's the like, heck? Oh, what's like, going she on? didn't foresee that, right? So they did catch her by surprise. I would assume you would But after shoot that point, she was like, first, defense. Yeah. yeah, you would shoot first. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't work, then drop the gates now, and trap her. I do have a thought. Shooting a moving target is, is rough. Yes. It's hard. So maybe it's like, oh, we'll keep her still. Maybe. I guess. That's but, one thought. But, but if she has a, a bodyguard, which it's revealed is Cypher, she does. her new knight. Yes. He is her bodyguard. The second something goes wrong, to be her bodyguard. they would Well, she cover, can block right? bullets. She can do whatever. Yeah, she, as soon as she she's aware. of a shield. Yeah. <laughs> You so is, if you drop gates, then her senses are up, and then as soon as you try to do something, she can block. The it. only thing, the only advantage they had was the element of surprise in yeah. that instance. And you lose it. And you lose it if you, you drop, drop the, the gates. gates. Yeah. So, the, and then so. also the the backup plan is to have Squall attack her, <laughs> and but he's Squall kind of far away from her. Is yeah. with the sniper. He's yep. positioned with the sniper, so he has to if this doesn't work. Run or drive in this instance. In this case, all drive. the way over to the float <laughs> to attack her. Yeah. When they have a team inside of the pillar itself, right? Because they're the ones that shut it. They're right there. Yeah. Why isn't he in that team and can just <sighs> go down the ladder and attack her? This general guy is not a very good. It's general. a very flawed plan. <laughs> it's a bad plan. That in fact, all of their plans are it. bad plans, though. <laughs> you tweak it the just general. slightly, and it makes sense. Position the sniper on the other side of the pillar. Yeah. Have him shoot before you close the gates, and have Squall in the party that's yeah. in the pillar, and the plan. But, but then makes Squall sense. can't give that pep talk because exactly he Irvin couldn't shoot. He couldn't do it. And this is weird. He says some specific things. He says. Oh man, this always happens to me. And it's like, wait, you're a special forces sniper. What always happens to you? Oh, I always miss, basically, is what he's saying. I always get nervous. I always I, get nervous. I always and choke in under pressure. You always choke? How did you get to this point? How yeah. are you where you are right okay, now? Okay, there's a lot to unpack in the scene. Very so let's step back one second. So he explains the plan. The plan gets set in motion, but there's lots of really stupid things that happen. Yeah. First of all, Quistus takes her shot at Renoa 
at you know reprimanding her for treating this like a game. Yes. And and not realizing she how serious it is. She goes back into the house, right? She well, goes back. So before into, they leave, okay. She basically is oh, like, oh yes, yeah. This this is not a joke. This is not a right. daddy daughter quarrel. This is a yes. serious mission. Do you have an actual plan or not? Because she's talking about, I got yeah. this little bracelet. The bangle. And and yeah. if uh, if we put this on the sorceress, we can like control yeah. her, or shut down her powers, her powers or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, okay, when, where, how? What is the yes, plan? Yeah, yeah. What the freak are you talking about? People's lives are at mm-hmm. stake here. You're a joke. Stay here and shut the fetch up. Yes. And just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she does She's the same thing that Squall did, right? But, but as she should have, honestly, because in that situation, someone's got to. But it. here's where it gets dumb: is they go through the plan, and then Quistus is like. I was too hard on her. I feel bad. I'm gonna go apologize. Wait, didn't they get in their position and then she leaves <laughs> yes. the post? She's like, to well, go we apologize. got some time, so I'm gonna go apologize. Yeah, these are special forces, Navy SEALs, what right here. What the freak are you talking about? Apologize <laughs> after the mission's over. I know. For now real. they're trying to create some drama within mm-hmm. the scene, and again, I'm with you in your impression that I started to kind of like. It's, it just feels eyes. really yeah. foolish and silly and dumb yeah. because the, it's it just does. a very stupid thing to do. Yes. These are teenagers. Yes. <laughs> they have shown consistent, like very consistent mm-hmm. emotional immaturity despite mm-hmm. their training yeah. and despite their competency. I'm willing to accept it <laughs> for that reason, yes. but it is a very dumb thing to do. And the result of it is... Caraway tries to lock Renoa in that room and yes. keep her away from the danger. But he sets like a timer on he the sets lock. Sets a timer <laughs> on it, and the doors open, and Renoa leaves, and the the party comes in, and, and they he get didn't locked notice. in. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Anyways, it, it feels a little <laughs> contrived. I admit, it's just it's it's just not very convincing. <laughs> the scenario is not oh, very convincing. Gosh. The the, it, the drama I feel is created from. Characters having to act in very stupid ways yes. in order for it to instead of naturally the way it does. happening the way it's, it would yeah, normally it's not happen. like a natural yeah. piece of conflict that was an unforeseen element yes. or something they have to react to now mm-hmm. that they didn't anticipate. Yeah, that kind of conflict I would have rather had yes, instead of <laughs> conflict created by the characters acting in the most foolish possible in the worst way. Part. And Renoa is so often at the center of that. And but each time they're like. Is this a game to you? Blah blah blah. She always has this little self-reflective moment, but it, not really self-reflective because she she won't accept that criticism. She always gets withdraws and says, "It's not a game to me. I I deal with this stuff. Like I this is hard for me too." And like she she goes to this justification mode where she's like, "No, th- I'm not treating this like a game." But it's like, "No, yes, objectively you are. Like you're being dumb and this is stupid." <laughs> but but she she you you feel bad for her because. She's like, but no, I'm not. I'm not treating it like a game. <laughs> and and but and you're. I think you're supposed to feel with her that yeah, guys, she's not treating it like a game. But you don't. I don't feel that. I yeah. never felt that at any point. She. I was like, she is treating. She it like probably a game. genuinely feels like she's not trying to do that. But sure. But she is. She clearly is. Like she and clearly no way to, is is trying to like. Well, well, she joined a resistance. Yeah, <laughs> group to the army that her father I know is a that general, her dad's of, a general right? for. It's clearly weird? there is. Yeah, I don't know what you'd call it a motivating factor for mm-hmm. her that is beyond just oh, I just want to accomplish the mission. Yes. She wants to show up her father. She wants. Yes. You know, there, she, Quistus was right. Renoa and Squall was is, right. Yes, <laughs> they were all right about her. Right. 
And she is wrong, but you're supposed to feel yeah. that she has some purpose for doing this and that she's not all silly gamey the way that she seems. Right. I don't feel that. But and so then her plan that later. is to go put the bracelet on the sorceress. Just by herself. Hey, queen, can and you put this For thing some on? reason, there's no guards. There's no Yeah, she sneaks detail, in through like a security sewer. detail. Yeah. She just climbs up some boxes and just walks in the back door. And you know and how they And nobody it. tries to stop her. In the case of the president, they're like, oh, he hates his security. They Anytime the security shows up, he's like, oh, what are you doing? You know, mm. and th that's how they get around not much security for the president. Apparently the sources is the same way. Does nobody like want security for themselves I know. ever? Especially knowing that people are always trying to kill you and it's, yet you're just constantly like not it, wanting security just, around you? It just feels silly. It's they just, just did it as a plot device. It's they just no security because they so want, this could happen. They wanted Renoa to get mind controlled yes. by the sorceress. That yeah. was the destination and the way they arrived at it is kind of dumb. They just kind of did, oh, whatever can help us get there. Yeah, it's cheap, it's cheap. And that's my criticism. It's not that these are kids and they do dumb kid things. It's that the writers sometimes seem like kids. It, it seems a little lazy in terms yeah. of like construction of the scenario, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. It's not very well thought through. No. It doesn't, and this is the first point in the game where I really felt that. Was there. Like up up to this point on disc one, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on board with Final Fantasy VIII. Like, yeah. It's kind of a cool, this is a cool story. Um, yeah. But like right around this point, it was just like this scenario just didn't feel very well executed to me at all. Mm -hmm, and it, it, it's the plan, it's the, all the things that go wrong and why they go wrong. It's why is there no security detail around the sorceress? Why this, why that? I'm just sitting there asking questions the whole time instead, instead of, of just, just enjoying the scene. Playing the game, yeah. Right? But anyway, yep. she gets in there. And she's just like, uh, excuse me, Miss Sorceress. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And she just tries to like walk up there and then, but that's kind of a cool moment though. She's just like not looking at her. It is fascinating. Like, bam, just like starts yeah. freaking like, just throws her back. And uh, lifts her up by one lifts arm. Lifts her up by one that's arm. That's pretty crazy. Drags her around and she's just, it's, it's, it's just like, she's not even attempt, she's not yeah. looking at her. She's not even it's trying, almost like yeah. she's giving no energy to it. It's just yeah. like, just dismissed, just flicks her away with her mind almost. Yeah. So that was kind of a cool visual shot, yeah. right? Um, and she gets up and she goes out to give this speech yeah, in front of so the people. The, yeah, the speech is interesting. And so let's talk about the speech a little bit. <laughs> Why is everyone cheering So the whole time? I have Even, a, As she is saying, you foolish peons, <laughs> you're so weak and pathetic. And they're all like, yeah, they cannot get enough <laughs> of it. They love this woman. And they're just cheering the whole time. So the English version and the Japanese version of the text, what, what she says is a little different. <coughs> yeah, yeah. And when I read the Japanese text, <coughs> it's vague enough to where, you know, kind of like, um, this is kind of a cliche you see sometimes in like uh, medieval settings where <coughs> a king or some magistrate will talk, but it's like very confusing to the Shakes peasants. Shakespeare And they don't know like that. exactly yeah. what they mean. They don't know whether they should clap or whether well, oh, they should no. be. <laughs> this is it, Bilbo. I don't like yeah. half of you, half as well as yeah. you. I, sh as I you should deserve. like yeah, that, whole, that thing. whole thing. And then and they're like trying to in, work in, through in it. In the books, it, it, Tolkien yeah. writes, he says, and the, the audience tried to work out whether or not it came to a compliment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just didn't get it. So they, I, they, that, okay. So I could see in the Japanese text, maybe that they yeah. are like confused by what she's saying. Like they're, it's, it's vague yeah. enough to where they don't know if she's threatening them or not. Okay. To where they could be like, 
like nervous. Yeah. But like, in the English text, it's like she's flat out threatening. One hundred percent, and calling them stupid, and and they're just the yeah! lowest intelligence people on earth <laughs> who speak the language will will understand that she is not what she's not their friend. Yeah. So let's look at the text. Yeah. Um, so she says, "How you celebrate my ascension with such joy." Hailing the very one whom you have condemned for generations. Have you no shame? What happened to the evil, ruthless sorceress from your fantasies? The cold-blooded tyrant that slaughtered countless men and destroyed many nations. Where is she now? She stands before your very eyes to become your new ruler. Ha 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 And uh, a new era has just begun. And that's when Delling steps in. He's like, um... What He's are like, you doing? You're not. You're the peace ambassador. You're not like <laughs> <Exactly>. the ruler. <laughs> he announced on television for the yeah. first time in 17 years that she was going to be the one to be the ambassador to reunite exactly these countries and help them communicate again mm -hmm. and the first thing she does is it's start like threatening people <laughs> and so he's like what are you doing and she and just so kills she him. turns like right then and just kills him yeah this is wild. your reality and pe the crowd keeps cheering yeah this His is your president reality just got murdered in front of them and they're like it's a show <laughs> keep no going. one can help you sit back and enjoy the show rest assured you fools you your fools. time will come this is only the beginning let us start a new reign of terror I will let you live a fantasy beyond your imagination. Let us end this ceremony with a sacrifice. And this is apparently, I, don't, I can't speak for the accuracy of it. This is somebody on game and f game f uh, facts like yeah. forums. But apparently, we'll take their word for it. I'm taking their word for it that this is cl closer to the original text uh, in Japanese. We witches have lived in your fantasies for generations, foolish fantasies of your own creation. Witches garbed in terrible apparel who curse and, uh, and kill innocents with cruel rituals. They use merciless spells to burn green fields and freeze your warm hometowns. How boring. That's not so much a threat as it is just a call out of how they viewed her. It's almost yeah, like it's different. It's like, you know, witches used to be this. And people are like, yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. Kind of like Michael Jordan in his... Um, the in documentary. His, well, in his uh, Hall of Fame. Um, oh, the speech? His speech in the Hall of Fame. He yeah, basically just good. like called out all the people who doubted him the whole time. Really? Right? He's just like, high school coach, I invited you here to embarrass you in front of people. Look where I'm at now. Like he basically used it as a way to like. That's so Jordan. <laughs> point people out and like get back at them. Yeah. And that's kind of what that feels like. It's right. not so much a threat to people. It's like, mm -hmm. you have viewed us this way. Like you didn't think I you could know. do that. You thought, you think that I'm just evil. It's almost like, hey, throughout history, witches have been viewed poorly. But look at me now as your ambassador of peace. You yeah. know, it almost it looks like she's headed towards some ironic kind of statement in a speech here. Yeah, she says she goes on to say, "Do you breathe sighs of relief because of uh, because the fearsome witch of your imagination is on your side? Which of us is the one that dreams fantasy upon fantasy?" She's basically just calling out their hypocrisy in this sure. in this speech, right? It's it's not as threatening to them. And then Delling walks up, "What are you doing?" Reality is not so sweet. Reality is never so sweet. So run, fools, into your fantasies. In the fevered world of your imagination will I dance for you. The witch of terror shall dance through all of eternity. You and I together will create the ultimate fantasy. This is kind of, you know. Now she does say you fools, right? You fools. But in it, she's also promising them like a brilliant future. Yeah, it in it, like, even right? life and death are but an exquisite dream, eternal be the witch in the fantasy, eternal be Galbadia, uh, her slave. 
oh yes, an evil witch needs a sacrifice and a cruel ritual. So it's not like super rosy, but it's better than the English it's one. It's <laughs> a little, a little bit different. At least, yeah, it, it it's wouldn't different. immediately cause, or it wouldn't immediately cause people to start like running away, right? Right. But even in both instances. It's a little weird. It's a little weird that a yeah. parade happens afterwards yes, and, and people really celebrate. Sad. Now, it's like, could they really even hear her talking? So, I don't know. <laughs> what I've heard some people do to try to like parse this or make it mm. make sense is to say that, well, clearly she has the power of mind control over oh, Noah. Yeah. Maybe she's mind controlling the whole crowd. Why didn't she mind control the president? Uh, but Why didn't she control the This is where when you have soft magic and you don't define it. I know. You start to it starts to, it creates more questions. There's thousands of people there. How can she really control can she, that many? How many mind how many minds can she control at one time? If she can just take over the entire city of Delling or the entire crowd, why not all of the world? Why not, you know, right. like where is the limit to yeah, this power? And what's the point? Mm-hmm. If you can mind control everybody, what's the you could just do whatever you want. Like yeah. there, there'd be no yeah. conflict in the story for you the villain. You wouldn't need to vie for power. Why isn't she mind controlling Squall? Yeah. He's in the crowd, yeah, he's watching right there. right there. He's yeah, not mind he's controlled. Not. It's true. Irvine's not mind controlled. Caraway's not mind controlled. President Delling wasn't mind controlled. Uh, the rest of the party's not mind controlled. Why are they exempt? And everybody else in the crowd, it does that. And yeah. I'm not convinced. I don't believe that. I doubt the writers really. We're trying to make it seem this ridiculous, but it definitely does come across that way. It's, um, it's a fault of theirs, I think. I, it, it, I, what, I wonder, what, it, what it really feels like to me is that that celebratory crowd mm-hmm. is a pre-rendered background, right? Yes, four so, frames of re-looping. Yeah. yeah. So somebody created that as the crowd for the scene that's going to happen at the end of the game. It's a pre-rendered background, right? I could see this as being something where it's like, we need all these assets, we have all these scenes. One of them is going to be a crowd cheering at an Adea speech, and that scene might not have necessarily been completed or written yet. Yes. So they created the asset, they have the asset, Mm -hmm. there's a time constraint on this, and it's like, She's going to give this speech. They'd and have to recreate a whole new uh, We don't have time to make a new background for this. Yes. And even if they did have time, maybe they didn't have space. I mean, you're already pushing yeah. four discs for this one game. Yeah. And, and FMVs and the, the, their pre-rendered backgrounds can actually take a lot of space yeah. on the disc because they're higher resolution. They're, you know. So I could see something like so that. So that seems like a more reasonable, or, or not reasonable as much as like, that seems more... Um, Accurate or, or just that seems to me like more like it would be mm-hmm. why. Sure. It, it was just yeah. a an oversight on whoever directed the person to make the asset that, yeah. oh, the, there's going to be a speech that might not necessarily call for people literally losing their minds cheering the whole time. Yes, but also the FMV that comes after it with the parade. I, I don't know. It's just weird. It is, it so, is just kind of weird. Something here is weird. It's entirely possible that this speech was written to be a little more subtle, and they decided it was too subtle, and they yeah. needed to uh, just raise it up and make it a little more obvious that she was not a good person. Yeah, possibly. So anyways... Um, yep, the, speech happens. Uh, that happens... Um, the parade begins, uh, eventually Zell and, uh, Selfie and, uh, Quistus are able to escape the room. They get in on time. Yes. 
Um, and then, you know, Squall and Irvine get in position. Irvine starts sharing all these doubts. And this is another area where I really think that they missed an opportunity. Yeah. I, I, I can't really speak on it uh, too much yes. because I it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a spoiler. Yeah. But I'll, I'll just leave it at this. The reason he couldn't shoot could have been a different reason. The, <laughs> the reason that they, they kind of just make it out like he's just too nervous. Like yeah. he, he just, he's choking in the moment. Right, and, and they, they don't, they could have really put in some nice subtle dialogue here mm-hmm. to set up or foreshadow something in the future, and they didn't really do it. And so I, I, I'm not really like, I didn't really like how they handled Irvine in the scene. They kind of yeah. just made him feel incompetent and emotionally immature. Yeah, this Navy SEAL inco- is incapable really bad, yeah. of doing the one thing he's been trained the to do. And, when, and whereas he the, even references that he, he always chokes. He's never able yeah. to do stuff like this. Exactly. Whereas the, the real weird. reason why he is having a hard time in this moment is a much better explanation. Yeah. And maybe, maybe they just didn't want to reveal they, it at the moment. They really could have, in a much more subtle way, mm-hmm. foreshadow what that reason is without him being on yeah. the nose, without him saying it out loud because he wouldn't have had any yes. reason to say it out loud. But he's constantly hinting at things earlier in That's the- That's true, he the, does uh, drop you know, hints. An hour or two before. Yeah. Talking about destiny, doing dot, 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 talking about things happening again or, you know. You know, what if our enemies aren't really evil? Mm, yeah. You know, things like that. Yes. He, he, he says some things, but then but in that moment, that point, point, he, yeah. and that could have been a really strong moment. That yeah. could have been a really strong moment for Irvine. Instead, it was a weak moment and for the re- whole game. Yeah, I, I, I didn't Very like Very weak point. Right and there. then, of course, he's on the opposite side, but somehow he <laughs> shoots and it goes, the bullet goes to the front. And she's and then, standing right there. And then Squall jumps down and uh, drives. drives a car <laughs> up to her, and you have a big fight between him and Cypher and then and then him and the sorceress. It results yeah. in um, Squall getting stabbed with an ice shard and uh, cuts to black. And then disc one's over. Yeah. Now, let's replace that camera battery real quick because we need okay. to talk about the Squall is dead theory. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Squall is dead is a fan theory. You can go to squallsdead.com. <laughs> Who's paying to upkeep that number? I don't know, but it, it was like 2010 when it was set up or something. Uh, well. it's, been, it's been here for like a decade nice. or longer. I'm just gonna read really quickly on squallsdead.com what Squall's Dead is all about. The theory posits at the end of disc one, Squall and friends face Idea on the parade float in Delling City. After the fight, when Idea seems defeated, she conjures an enormous ice shard and propels it through Squall's chest. Squall stumbles back and falls off the platform. He sees Renoa above, reaching to him as he falls. Squall closes his eyes and dies. The entire, remaining of the, uh, the entire remaining game time from the beginning of disc two to the second half of the ending movie is a dream. A dream? Uh-huh. A dream, a fantasy, a vision, or whatever you want to call it. The dream is basically an extension of the your life flashes before your eyes concept. The entire dream takes only a matter of seconds, but for Squall it passes in real time. For Squall it's about the endless possibilities he could have realized. Uh, Squall explores the questions that were raised on the first disc, but he was not able to answer in his lifetime. These questions include, but are not limited to, who is the sorceress Idea? What are her goals and motivation? What do her powers come from? Or where do her powers come from? Why was Cypher in the parade with Idea when he was reported executed? Who was the girl? 
that Squall and Quistus saw in the garden training center. Who is Laguna and why did Squall, Selfie, and Zell have all the same dream about him? I'm going to read one more part to explain why people do this. <laughs> and it really boils down to people trying to like skirt around valid criticism of the game's plot. Uh, of course, of course. Uh, today's understanding of the events of Final Fantasy VIII comprise of a mixed bag. This has led to the misinterpretation of the evidence and symbolism pointing towards Squall's death. This guy's a little pretentious. Some <laughs> evidence that formerly appeared to be vague and inconclusive now represent clear allusions and references to the subtlety of Final Fantasy VIII's obscured meaning. In, I'm just, I, I couldn't read anymore after that. I was like, okay, I'm fetching done with that. <laughs> so We get the point. Squall's there, dead. There are some, you know, some people who really liked Final Fantasy VIII. It was a meaningful experience mm. to them. They loved it. And sure. then some people started laying down some very valid criticisms <laughs> in course. online forums. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Why this? Why that? Mm. This is a really dumb plot device. Whatever. And this mm. is the response of that. a person trying very, very hard to justify all of these say, things. It was actually really well done. It was done. all <laughs> intentional yeah. and actually, it, because it's all explained that Squall is dead at the end of disc one. Okay. It is a really dumb theory and there is a direct answer to it from Yoshinori Kitase. <laughs> so in this article, he was just uh, ans uh, basically answering a lot of different uh, fan theories about different things. Mm. But this one is on the theory that Final Fantasy VIII Squall dies at the end of disc one when he's stabbed by Idea's ice spear and uh, the rest game is a dream. He responds by saying, no, that is not true, Katase said, laughing. I think he was actually stabbed around the shoulder area. It did, it looked like it yeah. was a little off. So he that. was not dead. Now here's something that I remember reading and mm -hmm. I, it was in front of my face all along. I didn't see what? it. Re regarding his plans for the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh. Listen to this. But that is a very interesting idea. So if we ever do a remake of Final Fantasy VIII, I might go along with oh, that story geez. in mind. So he he he's, just kind of makes this stuff up. And he just makes, said in no uncertain terms in a 2017... Like, no, this is not it. ...non-related mm -hmm. interview to Final Fantasy VII. If I ever did a... A, re a remake of Final yeah. Fantasy VIII, I might change the whole story to be, to be Squall is dead. Yeah. Um, what great. the fuck? So in other words, I will ruin Final Fantasy VIII as well. What the fuck, <laughs> the dude? Remake. And you know uh. what? In some ways, I wonder if he likes the fact that somebody has given him like an easy out for, for the problems of Final Fantasy VIII. And he's like, uh. yeah, I might go with it. <laughs> that way we can, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it was, you know, Oh it was my gosh. Anyways. That's funny. It was right there in front of me the whole time. He was totally willing to change the stories of yeah. remakes. It's nothing to him. He just uh, says it like it's nothing. It's like, ooh, this, like this like freaking uh, fan fiction, dumb as fetch theory yeah. that Squall is dead. That's a good idea. And if I ever do a remake of FFA, I might make that the story instead. Yeah. Is just embodies modern Kitase philosophy well, in a darn. way that just drives me crazy. So this interview is from 2017? Yeah, this interview came out in 2017, I think. Wow. He touches on another FF8 theory that I won't get into yet about Renoa okay. um, and her relation, her relation to the, the, the game's um, main villain. Um, mm -hmm. There's a theory that they're the same person. 
I am, I am aware of And he actually, you know what, I'm just gonna read what he says to this. <laughs> <laughs> because it's really funny. Because after that when he says, no, that is not true, I don't think I'll incorporate that even if we do remake Wait, the game. golly, why is, he, why is he even entertaining that? Why is he even saying that? That's so dumb. <laughs> what is wrong with him, man? He's one of the know. greatest geniuses of our time. But at the same time, like, what's, what's wrong with him? Freaking silly. Anyways, I just want to quell that right away. Squall is not freaking dead. Squall's not dead. Is canon, he's not fetching dead, okay? The problems with Final Fantasy VIII's story are problems because the, the creators of the story didn't think it through, not because yeah. really they were just these geniuses who put in this completely... And didn't say anything? That is not and the case. ten years later let someone else... Yeah, yeah. Not the case. So, no. I've, I've never entertained the idea that Squall is dead. I find it to be a very dumb theory. And, uh, and we have clarification from the, from the director himself that that was not the intention. So Squall Good is not dead. Squall is alive. Now that might have been <laughs> the cliffhanger we left off on. Hopefully that's not a spoiler. But he, he got stabbed in the shoulder and he will wake up and we will cons uh, continue our playthrough on disc two. Uh, and Squall will be alive. Squall will be alive. It will not Squall. be a dream. All right, we've is, reached. Is Laguna a dream, though? Is Laguna dead? <laughs> is there a Laguna dead theory? Laguna Sorry. dead theory. The, the dreams. All now, right, uh, I had intended to do some responses to comments. We've been going for two and a half hours. Yeah. So we're not going to be able to do this then. I think what I I'll do. I wonder if we could have, after we're done with the whole thing, if yeah. we could have one. Like additional episodes? Dedicated or, to just yeah. responding to comments at the Love end it. of it. Let's do that. Because... And that would... We could just do like a week or just... You know, it would be quicker. Yeah. Because we don't have to play the whole game before that. Yeah. And and because uh, we're playing through large portions of the game now. There's now, just a lot of notes. Yeah. There's a lot of things to go In fact, we're probably through. just going to tackle all of Disc 2 for this next Yeah. Episode. So that's that's what we, wanted, we need yeah. to announce. Uh, play through to the end of Disc 2. And then at the end of January... That's when we'll record the next yeah. podcast. So uh, get to the end of disc two. Now, one thing before we take off, um, just want to reiterate, you know, we, we kind of went through, we talked a little bit about, uh, we summarized what we played, and then we talked about some of the developer um, intentions behind mm -hmm. some of the things, some quotes and things like that. So that's nice. Um, we talked a lot about the characters throughout, um, but I just want to reiterate again, I find them very convincing, yeah. even though they are kind of dumb sometimes. I, I love the characters. I, I think, like them a lot. I think they, they behave appropriate to the age. Sure, yeah. I think that they behave appropriate to the, the personalities that have been set up. Mm -hmm. And their relationships and, to each other seem genuine. And one thing that this game gets railed for a lot is, is it doesn't have character development, people will say. This game has no character development, well, and they hate it for that. What are, now, I don't agree with that. what you mean by I don't agree with that. What it doesn't have is... Mm -hmm character uh, like backstory sequences where you, where you go do a flashback for a character's sure. life or you go into a town and basically just get a whole scenario written for that character. Kind of right. like Final Fantasy 7 and 6 did yeah. before. Right? So they don't do that. Mm -hmm. But I think moments like where, where Quistus takes Squall uh, to, to start kind of venting her problems. Mm. These are really good moments that reveal a lot of character about her. So. About him. Um, I, I love uh, even what they do with selfie, even though it's small. Mm -hmm. Like this this one little thing where she she the first time you get on a train, mm. she just stands at the yes. door and just demands like, open, open open the door. 
and he's, and he's trying to like talk, and she just can't, and she's like, okay, fine. He like opens the door, and uh, she runs in to look out the window because she just loves trains, and she sings her yeah. little train song. And then the second t- train you get on, yeah, uh, he, he 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 starts talking. Okay, with mm-hmm. and then he, he tries to talk again, and she interrupts him again. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, I better open the door. So he goes and opens the door, yeah. and she goes running in there, and then he goes on with his yeah. speech. And then the third time, he, he, before she even gets on the train, he's like, you know, I he better open the door right, right away. Yeah. And he goes and opens the door. And, and she she's gets like, in, you're catching you're on. You're catching <laughs> on. That's nice. I think it's Character. Good. And it's subtle and it's brief. Moments. Yeah. And it, 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 you don't have to know the whole history of a character right. to get development on the type of person they are mm-hmm. or, you know, what's important to them or, or yeah. things like that. And I feel like FF8 does a really good job of that kind of character development. Sure. You you get a strong sense for who the characters are, what they mm-hmm. want, um, without having to know their tragic backstory. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, and so I I think the characters are very convincing, and that they're they're actually really well handled, and that they get enough screen time between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and we we talked about this in the first episode. But there is a reason why they're not telling us their history, right? Exactly. The it's, whole backstory. We will get to it later, but there is yes. a reason. And I don't love it either, but it is a reason. <laughs> but it is a reason. <laughs> That's what we can we can definitively right? say that it is a reason. So yeah. I, I like the characters a lot, and and I think there is a lot of good human content to be found here too. Like a lot of a lot of potential themes. Um, shoot, there was one quote from uh, Nojima here that I wanted to pull up. Um, one thing that, and, and I was talking about this with somebody in the comments of the last video, mm. you know, when you talk about what's the theme of this uh, story, a lot of people try to give a one-word answer. Oh, it's life. It's love. Yeah, those it's are less helpful. this or that. Yeah. And it's like, that's too vague to really know what the story is trying to say. Right. So I, I like to reframe theme mm. in the form of a question that okay. clarifies it a bit. Sure. Uh, for example, in the... Um, in the Lost Odyssey video that I did, mm. um, I asked oh, yes. um, yeah. if you really could live forever, how, how fulfilling would such a life really be when those around you can die? Sure, I think that's good. That yeah. clarifies what the theme is mm-hmm. when you form it in a question like that. And I actually came across a little interview here with Kazushige Nojima where he did essentially this. Um, and I have a couple of different ones, so I have to make sure I pull up the right one, but he's, he was talking to Sakaguchi <clears throat> and and Sakaguchi essentially gave him the one-word answer that the, the the theme is love or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Well, what kind of love? You know, like what does that mean?" And <laughs> yeah. so he kind of arrived, and maybe it wasn't this one. Maybe it was uh, Saka. Okay, <clears throat> here he says Sakaguchi was the one who started saying the theme of FF8 was love, and well, at some point that stuck. For me, when I hear that, it's like, "What do you mean? What kind of love?" It was a huge challenge carrying that theme throughout the game with the space, sta- uh, the space station scene, the parade, and elsewhere. To be certain, love is a theme of FF8, but in my opinion, to be more specific, it's like falling in love, but what comes after? After you know you love someone. When you frame it like that, now we have a specific thing to look for. Sure. What happens I like that. after you have yeah. fallen in, and this is actually really clarified mm-hmm. something for me that before, I had a huge criticism of regarding Squall oh, yeah. and what appeared to be an on-the-dime change of character. What happens after you know you're in love with somebody, mm. right? What decisions do you make? What comes right. after that? 
So it may actually be very well in keeping with that. So th knowing that that's the intention, yeah. going through it this time, I wonder if it will change my thoughts on that at all. Huh. But beyond even just this, which is kind of, I think, maybe like the overlying theme of the game, or the overlying human content, you have this exploration of, you know, um, someone who's trying to protect uh, their, their vulnerability, trying not to show that. Yes. Someone who, who believes in a philosophy of, uh, I don't need other people. I think you're hitting something. Right? Yeah. I don't need people. Right. I like to take care of, I, I don't need help. I don't want help. I can take care of it myself. Right. How far can you really get yeah. with that attitude in life? Fair enough. I right? think that's good. You know, um, you, you also, you just said, um, oh, sorry, you said uh, you, protecting yourself, right? Yes. So his, his, his primary, like, mm -hmm. goal, his primary, like, function is to protect himself at the moment. Yeah. What happens after you fall in love with somebody? Your yes. primary goal becomes to protect them. Yes. And that explains the change in character quite a bit. Yes. He's less concerned about his own, like, protecting his own heart or thoughts or past or whatever now and he's more concerned about protecting somebody else yes so an outward focus instead of an inward focus which leads to it inevitably leads to a character change yes or not so yeah, we were seeing the kernels or the first like seeds of this planted mm -hmm. in squall's just dismissal of everybody yeah rudeness to everybody he, he goes to great lengths to protect to what protect he wants to protect himself yeah and to essentially not rely on anyone yes and yeah how long, how far can you get in life with an attitude like that? Right. And then what happens when that changes? What happens mm -hmm. when you no longer are only looking in, when you only care about yourself? What happens when you fall in love with somebody else? I like that, I like that theme. So keep an eye on that. I also like that you're bringing up the theme now because I would assume that would be a late end of game, kind of what was the theme. Yeah. Bringing it up early, especially in the form of a question. Yeah gives people a lot to think about it, as we it, go it, through. It, you start to see yeah. how they laid that down, like you know, that. how they worked up to that question, right? So, Alrighty. that's going to do it for this week. We lost a cam. I think that cam went down. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> we got two others. I am going to make sure that I buy AC adapters for these cameras so that we won't have power issues with them and batteries <laughs> running out uh, for next time. So, no. anyways, appreciate you guys. As always, leave comments. Uh, uh, you know, give us your thoughts on everything. And like we and, mentioned, um, we will be doing a whole podcast just addressing the comments and, and questions surrounding the game yeah, at the end. At the end, because this yeah. was pushing on three hours. So, <laughs> all right. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time. Have a great holiday season. Peace out.